0: Today's episode of the Bill Simmons podcast on the ringer podcast network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know, it's really hard hiring people. I've been in that situation two times in my life. It's really hard. There's some real skill that you need. And even then it might not always work out right. Well, guess what? That's why ZipRecruiter exists. They have powerful matching technology. They scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter. So effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We're also brought to you by an old friend of ours, SeatGeek. The best app for buying and selling tickets to sporty events, concerts, and more. And there's a lot of and more going on lately because there's not a lot of sports going on, but there's a lot of, and more. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. Don't forget about our new podcast on Luminary. It's called Break Stuff. It is the story of 99 Woodstock, Woodstock 99, 1999 Woodstock, when Woodstock happened in 1999. And just uh, everything went wrong. Um, and there's been some proper conceptions and some misconceptions about everything that that happened over the course of those few days. Stephen Hyden breaks it all down for you. Just go to luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. All right. Coming up, a podcast that we had already finished and I was on my way home and then found out that Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook had been traded for each other. We're going to talk about that at the top. Then cousin Sal, and uh, something we taped at like 2.30 that is now super dated, that's up. And then Camille Nunjani, that is all coming up next, First Pearl Jam. All right, it's a little past six here. I was actually on my way home, Pacific time. And my son FaceTimed me and said, Dad, Chris Paul's on the thunder. And I thought he was messing with me. So I pulled over and I checked Twitter. And lo and behold, Walsh has the trade. And here's the trade. It was Chris Paul to OKC for Russell Westbrook. And OKC also gets first rounders in 24 and 26 and pick swaps in 21 and 25. The 24 pick is lottery protected. 26 is protected one through four, according to reports. OKC now has eight first-rounders that they picked up just since draft night, including one from Denver in that Jeremy Grant trade. So I have multiple thoughts. Let's go with four. I'll go with four thoughts, and then we're going to get to the rest of the podcast that we have already finished. (laughs) First of all, the rumors were true. We had heard for the last month that Chris Paul and James Harden we're not getting along that they did not get along for the second half of last season. And that Houston was anxious to move on from Chris Paul, if possible, Houston denied it. Everyone denied it. We did a live show on Saturday at Caesars Palace where Daryl Morey was a part of it. We did a live podcast. He was on stage with me and Marcello and Joe house and we asked him about what's it like when you're a GM and you read and hear all this stuff about your team and how badly things are allegedly going, What what's your role as a GM? How do you stop it? And he was talking about how it was one of the craziest experiences of his career. He couldn't believe all the misinformation, et cetera, et cetera, and did a nice job of selling us on the fact that it wasn't true. I got to say, obviously it was true <laughs> looking back because they just traded Chris Paul with a ton of picks for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, Westbrook has, I would say a top three worst contract in the league. I was really curious to see how they would even trade him. We did, we went through, Joe House and I in the last podcast we did, we went through all the possibilities of how this would work. And we talked about Houston. And I made the case like, look, Daryl likes stars. If he feels like Westbrook is a better star than Chris Paul, he's going to make a move on him. I just assumed it would be like, a straight up deal. And maybe there was like one first rounder thrown in Houston paid a pretty big price here to get the worst contract in the league or or one of the three worst contracts in the league. Sorry. If you, um, Westbrook, here's what he has left. 38.5 million, 41.3 million, 44.2 million, 47 million. All right. So do I like this deal for Houston? I do and I don't. That's such a cop-out answer. I don't like it because I actually thought if they could have figured out all the behind the scenes drama with their team, I think they were the favorites in the West. They were the most reliable bet. The Clippers and Lakers probably had a higher upside, especially in the playoffs. But we know what we had in Houston. What we had was a team that came very close to making the finals the last two years and lost to a historically great Warriors team. And especially last year, I felt like that was such a weird series. And, you know, they they almost won game one. They got really been out of shape about the refs after. And I thought it actually hurt them in game two. And they had just a great chance to beat the Warriors. And I felt like they kind of blew it. And there was obviously going a lot of stuff going on with them behind the scenes. But I, I think if they run it back and it's drama free, I still feel feel like they're the favorite. So this tells me it could not have been drama-free, that there's no way this was going to work. And the State Farm commercials are a lie, Jim Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> Jim's in here because Kyle's already gone. Kyle left. He was going to finish the pot. So now I have Jim Cunningham here. Um, yeah, now I don't know if I can ever trust the State Farm commercial again. I'm just kidding. We love State Farm. But what do you do with those commercials now? I guess what, that's another variable of this. We lose all of those. But um, they're better... Next year, because I think Russell Westbrook, um, despite the salary, despite how weird he is to play with and all that stuff, he's just a better player than Chris Paul is. I voted for him second team All-NBA last year, and I didn't even think he was that good the first two months. I thought the last two plus months, he was really good. He's a walking triple-double or close, as long as he has the ball enough. And I think this comes down to simple math for Houston. They're looking at somebody who has pretty consistently for three straight years averaged 28, 10, and 10 or whatever it is. And then a guy in Harden who's pretty consistently now above 30 and you know seven rebounds, nine assists, whatever he is for an average last three years. And they're just like, if we have these two guys, we can figure out the rest. And short-term, Westbrook is better than Chris Paul it's a much riskier trade for them because if it doesn't work, well, Daryl gets fired. So he doesn't even care about those picks, but you've given away those picks way down the road when James Harden's going to be at post-prime. Westbrook will probably won't even be on the team at that point. And, you know, this is this is the ultimate win-now trade. So the only reason to do it is if you feel like you can't bring Chris Paul back and you have no other market for him. Well, all right. Why wasn't there another market for Chris Paul? Well, I'm glad you asked. He also had a terrible contract. He uh, his contract expired a year earlier than Russell Westbrook's, but he's also older than Russell Westbrook. And Jesus, this these numbers: 38.5 this year, 41.4 next year, 44.2 in the 2021-22 season. All right, so why would OKC want this? Well, this is the case I made a couple of days ago to House. Actually kind of like having Chris Paul, at least for a year, um, on a young team in a city that, you know, he had to play there for a year after Katrina when, when New Orleans moved to uh, OKC for a year. The locals like him. He, w- he was great for them that year. And he was great in the community, all that stuff. And, you know, could he be a mentor slash whatever for that team? Maybe. The other way they could be looking at it is they might flip Chris Paul now. And, you know, Miami was rumored pretty heavily for Russell Westbrook for the last couple of days. And it just seems like they were at a standstill on what his value was. Miami makes a lot of sense for Chris Paul if they can just dump contracts for him. So now if you're OKC, you're dumping 3 years of Chris Paul and trying to get expirings and guys with 2 years left on their deal. Dragic is an expiring. He makes I think 19 million and you take two more contracts back and you call it a day. And then if you're in Miami, it's like, "Hey, we have Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler. Cool." Um, so I have no idea whether OKC did this to keep Chris Paul and make him kind of the leader of the franchise and the mentor, all that stuff, or whether they took him to flip him. Clearly, they wanted to do right by Westbrook. Um, and Westbrook wanted a chance to try to win the title. So now he's going to a team that has another one of the best players in the league. And he has a certainly a better chance to win the title than he had the last three years in OKC. What's really crazy to me All right, so you look at the all-NBA team from last year, right? Or the all-NBA teams, I'm sorry, from the last two years. And, And all of the guys that have moved teams just in the last two years. So the first teamers from last year, Paul George already is on a different team. So is Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. Those were three second teamers. And then, uh, and then Westbrook on the third team, and Kemba Walker. So we have six guys who are on the three All NBA teams that were named two months ago are now on different teams. Six of the fifteen. Then you go back to the 2017-18 team, just a year before. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis are all on different teams from that from that group. Uh, DeRozan and Westbrook on the second team; those guys are on different teams. And then on the last team, Paul George and Jimmy Butler. So seven of the 15, this is just where we are with the league now. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, as an old guy who loves watching continuity and really appreciates teams staying together and, you know, what, like a situation like what the Warriors were in last year, where it's year six of Iguodal and Draymond and Clay and Steph and those guys all together. And they're gutting it out. Durant goes down. And the character that you build when you guys have been in a lot of battles together is probably my favorite thing about basketball. And we're just losing that now. We have we have a league now where the guy who has been on the team the longest is Steph Curry, who was in the 2009 draft, which was 10 years ago. And he is our longest terms of service guy. We're in a situation now where even Kawhi and Paul George commandeer this whole you know, Clippers thing. And then they don't even sign max contracts with them. They put the Clippers on the clock immediately. You have two years to make this work and we might not come back. Dan Devine wrote about this for The Ringer. It's, he called it the new normal. I think it's abnormal. I don't really like it that much. And I do wonder if it's a generational thing to some degree because um, the younger people love it. It's like a video game the the 20 somethings that work for the ringer they're all in they think this is great they're they're like every year they just shake the league like a snow globe and let's go um i definitely think it's better for a site like the ringer and espn and all these places that get content for stuff but as just a basketball purist i think to just turn the nba into aau is pretty appalling i just don't like it that much and It's fun to see Westbrook and Harden on the same team for a year. And then next year, one of them will probably go somewhere else. And that's just where we are. Um, With that said, it's more fun to have Westbrook on the Rockets than Chris Paul. So from a fun standpoint, I like this trade and it'll just make the league more interesting. Now, also, we get... Chris Paul trade drama. We get to talk about where Chris Paul's going to go for the next two weeks, potentially. Keep giving us content, NBA. We need it. All right, so that was my first long thought. The second one is just that the OKC 2012 finals team that we thought we'd never see again. Not out of the question now. Now we have Westbrook and Harden together. We have Ibaka as a free agent in a year. Maybe he comes back. And then Durant, that dude switches teams all the time. He's, he's probably he's probably trying to get traded for Brooklyn right now to go to Houston. It would be fun. It's going to be fun, the westbrook Harden thing. It's amazing that all four of those guys are now off that team. And we talked about that was the team of the future. I went to that NBA Finals. I think I went to every game. I took a picture of Westbrook, Durant, and Harden with their arms around each other. And I remember writing about this photo and just this is the NBA in in this decade, like you just never know. And now it's like on steroids, whatever, whatever my opinion was in that 2012 post hard trade calm. Um, it's crazy to think that OKC has none of those guys. Now that was the team of, that was the young. If you could be any team, you would pick this team of the decade at the start of this decade. And now it's not, and now it's probably, you know, now we're heading into this next day, next decade. And you'd probably say new Orleans, and she's like Zion's not finishing his career in New Orleans. I hate to bring it to you, New Orleans, but he'll he'll probably be somewhere within five to seven years because that's just what happens with the league. Um third thing, what are what are the potential flaws of this Houston team? I was thinking about it from a standpoint of Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, where it's like, hey, good news. We've we now have the two highest usage rate guys in the history of the league. You're going to stand over there. Like they might as well just have pull people out of the stands to be the fourth or fifth man. Cause Harden and Westbrook are going to take 80% of the shots. I already feel Eric Gordon, we might have to get him a therapist. He might need to talk to somebody, Eric stand over in the corner. We're going to run a play for you every once in a while, maybe like once a quarter. That's it. But otherwise stand over there. We don't need you. Um, But if you just look at their five, Westbrook and Harden, I still feel like, I personally feel like Westbrook's a top 12 player. Um, still, he's at least top 12, top 15, wherever you want to put him. He's one of the guys that still matters. So you have those two guys, Capella, Gordon, Tucker, assuming they keep Tucker. Maybe maybe he gets traded too. Um, that's a pretty loaded team. It's pretty good. If they get the 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 good version of how this Westbrook Harden thing goes, who the F knows. They clearly felt they weren't, nothing else was going to happen with this nucleus unless they did something crazy. The last thing I wanted to mention, what a blow for Chris Paul. Pushes his way out of the Clippers to end up in Houston with his friend James Harden. They're up 3-2 against the Warriors in the 2018 playoffs and he gets hurt at the worst possible time. And they end up losing that series that I personally think they probably would have won if he doesn't get hurt. But that's the NBA, that's what happens. And that's what happens when you have old point guards, older older point guards. Signs the huge extension, takes a step back last year, no question. And then they come really close again. They get Golden State in round two instead of round three. Durant gets hurt and they still can't pull it off. It still doesn't happen. And now he's on OKC on a rebuild, unless he gets traded, but what contender is trading for him? Everybody's with the merry-go-round has stopped. You're looking at teams like Miami and Detroit and Minnesota. Those are the type of teams you're looking at if you're Chris Paul for a trade. None of the contenders, you're not ending up on them. Um, I made a list actually of who I thought were the top 40 players in the league. I just did it for myself because I was curious where I would have different guys, right? So I had Westbrook. He was in that 11 to 18 range. You know, you were talking about, it's after the the 10 stars. the, the Kawhi, Giannis, Harden, Curry, Davis, Jokic, LeBron, and then MB George, and Durant. I think that's your top 10 right now in some order. Uh that was I just gave you an order that I think it is, but then the next group is Lillard Beale Towns, Old Depot, Kyrie, Kemba, Butler, and Westbrook in some order, depending on if you're just throwing out contracts from a talent standpoint, Westbrook's probably a little higher if you're talking about them as assets he's lower, so the Rockets have two of the top at least eighteen guys in the league, let's say the Chris Paul part of this list. It really goes until you're talking low, high 30s, low 40s, where like I have Blake Griffin, 32, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Al Horford, LaMarcus Aldridge, CJ McCollum, Tobias Harris, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Nikola Vucevic. And then he's kind of in that Kevin Love area. And then there's a bunch of rookies nipping on his heels. So is he a top, Is he like the 42nd best player in the league? Maybe. Is he worse than that? Maybe. You could have talked me to put him lower in the list. Um, So it's an upgrade. And that's why you do the trade. I just feel like, man, you are, this is, uh, I'm getting fired if this trade doesn't totally work trade by Daryl. You could feel it. You could feel the energy of him at the live show. He was, she was uh, guns blazing. He was going at Russillo. He was going at me. He was talking about rocket haters. Like he was definitely, uh, definitely, (laughs) definitely a little unhinged (laughs) in a good way. It was fun. It was enjoyable, but now we know why he was a little unhinged. He was trying to get Russell Westbrook. So I still don't think they're going to win the title. I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. I think what OKC did is just astounding getting all those picks for one guy who definitely didn't want to be there. And then another guy that they had to trade who had one of the three or four worst contracts in the league. Amazing. Amazing job by them. OKC. It's all, it's all looking good. I will tell you this, though. Um, I wouldn't count out OKC as a playoff team. How about that? If they kept Chris Paul, they have Shea Gildas-Alexander, they have Danilo Garnari, they have Steven Adams, they still have Robertson, they have uh, Schroeder. Like, it's not a bad team. It's, it, it could at least be a little frisky. And this is the fifth and final bonus thing I wanted to mention. You might remember I've had the Ewing Theory forever. Jim Cunningham, you know what the Ewing Theory is, right?
1: Yep, of course. As a Knicks fan, I remember.
0: I can't imagine a juicier Ewing Theory candidate in some time than Russell Westbrook. Media-hyped superstar. Considered to be one of the best players in the league. Never really won anything. Made a finals one year as the second-best guy in OKC. Um. And it's somebody that is just unclear if he's the best player on your team, if you're if you're going anywhere, and it's also not clear if if he definitely affects his teammates, um, in a mostly negative for their stats way. So removing him after what we saw with like guys like Oladipo and Sabonis, um, removing him in the shadow and just just how dominant he is with everything he does from that team. It feels very Ewing theory-ish, especially if Shea just alexander can continue to mature and whether they keep Chris Paul or whatever, but uh, I have my eye on you, okay. OKC, for the Ewing theory. Uh, all right. What a trade. If you want to hear more uh, from the Ringer NBA show, you can listen to Chris Ryan, Justin Verrier. They're doing a little uh, powwow right now about this trade as well. Coming up, Cousin Sal, we taped this about four hours earlier. Sorry, when we're talking about NBA MVP and stuff that uh, we did not know this trade was coming, but uh, that is coming up right after this. Let's take a break, talk about WGU, an online university that's changing lives by changing higher education. It's innovative, competency-based learning model designed specifically to fit in the lives of busy adults. Nonprofit, surprisingly affordable offering bachelor's and master's degrees in business, IT, teaching, and nursing. Move through the material you already know. Spend the time you save learning what you don't know, which means the faster you demonstrate what you know, the faster you finish. And it is also about half the cost of most other online universities, so you can graduate with far less debt or none at all. WGU graduates work in positions of responsibility for leading companies like Microsoft and Amazon. I've heard of those. Even the government. Get your $65 application fee waived by going to wgu.edu slash bs, wgu.edu slash bs. All right, Cousin Sal is here. We haven't done this in person in a long time. You just happen to be here.
1: You know what? This reminds me that football is right around the corner.
0: Thought of you last night. I did the Instagram uh, picture too. I put on my story. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw I was in Barnes & Noble in the Grove, oh. and they had the whole giant shelf of fantasy football magazines.
1: Got a little giddy. It's, I think, my favorite day of the summer when they are officially on the shelves. Other than the day I I nail my do- wife with a daughter, my wife with my toenail, my sharpened toenail on the beach, and she screams. <laughs> that happens every year? I love that, and I love when the Why do you football. have a sharpened toenail? I, I sharpen it for the 4th of July, and I, I paint different colors. It's nice. <laughs> You do cocaine on them or something? No, no, no. Stop it. Don't be gross. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, so I thought of you with that. And then I thought of you because this is the worst gambling stretch of the years. You discussed that against all odds this week. Yesterday was actually
1: the worst day. Right.
0: It's the all-time one, right? Because you can't bet on the ESPYs. It's predetermined.
1: Right. Uh, uh, so what do you bet uh, on? Harry found the WNBA game. I think he lost money on the Mercury yesterday. But other, <laughs> other than that, once He's the tennis one. is over in the morning, there's nothing. That's yeah. true. The tennis ends
0: like what? By like 3 o'clock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So NBA. I wanted to go backwards, and we're going to talk about NBA futures in a second, but just talk mm. about another another incredible batch of terrible bets <laughs> from me and us together. <laughs> but let's start with Kevin Durant not going to the Knicks. Did that I was happen? adamant he was going to New York. Yeah. At some point I told you, I was like, I every instinct I have tells me he's mm-hmm. leaving Golden State and going to New York. Assumed it was the Knicks. That's the right, right assumption. The yeah. most famous franchise in basketball other than the Celtics and Lakers. Yeah. Biggest city, seven generations of fans, biggest challenge a player could have. Now he went to the Nets. Mm-hmm. Never even thought to be like we should just hedge on the nets just to be what were they like twenty to one? Kind
1: of new, yeah. We thirty to one heads up there somewhere in there. Or or the Warriors, it was a nice odds on them. Well, let me backtrack even further. What typically happens every year is we lose money in football. And then we lose a little money on March Madness, and then we'll have like the Celtics over wins totals, and we'll have lost that, that. And, yeah. and the NBA playoffs. But we were usually able to dig out. Like you had a hail mary with LeBron, where he's going to end up last year, and we did it. We loaded. We didn't even tell House because like this. Yeah, screw we left up. House out. Yes, House can't be involved in this. This year I won money in football though, and then I you just proceeded to blow up. Yeah, off the it. basketball. Goodness. Yeah, we're terrible at this. But then, but that was it. All right, so Durant was going to be our our go to. We're going to make it all back with Durant to the Knicks. What do we have like? Four and a half to one? No. What no, we it was have? plus oh, two fifty. It was great. Two and a half to one. It was one. a layup. Yeah. Right. And, and that the Nets injury, were probably twenty to one. I can't kill you too much because everything I read says before the injury, you were right. Well, unfortunately, that's not the story going on. Oh, around really? Right now. now now you are right.
0: I was No, we, you- we were right. We were right until about March. And
1: That's it, March?
0: I keep hearing <laughs> that uh Dolan really soured them in a in a couple of different ways and the nets were more and more on the radar Before the injury This yeah we're talking March wow. I think it was it was definitely either or the nets uh. didn't really enter the mix until February March because uh. of uh Dolan just acted crazy in a bunch of different ways remember did the whole thing about I'm not selling the the story came out <laughs> partly driven by me about yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not selling the team but then he gave that crazy interview and then he's like I'm very confident, we'll be good with free agents, right? And, yeah, and then I think he might have said some stuff privately, but I, I think, I think Dolan's the reason those guys didn't get them. You had the Nets on the other side; mm-hmm. they're forty nine percent owned by the Alibaba guy. Mm-hmm. They're just saying China, China, China. Fifty million NBA fans. You guys can make so much money there. Rock Nations, like, hey, we can do this. And I, I just think they outwitted
1: a guy who's not very smart. James well, Dolan. What they need is they need someone like Magic for the Lakers, but for. For the Knicks, like, no one should ever see James Dolan. Like, our friend Brad, he hires the special interest guests on our show. Yeah. So, if, like, the Cincinnati mayor throws the first pitch and it goes uh, 100 feet outside, or uh, let's say this Bagel Boss guy, we want to try to get this guy on, the first guy they have to deal with is Brad because he's good at tracking them down. But fine, great that you could track them down, but maybe— you shouldn't be the first person they interact with uh, representing Jimmy Kimmel live, you know, because that could really squash the deal. Good point. And has a time. So, yeah. So, they have, he's their Brad. He's basically their Brad. <laughs> James Stolen is Brad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the TV movie, that's how it will go, too.
0: It's pretty insane that he's so bad that they just can't get anybody. We're talking about Brad still? And both of oh, them, okay, Brad, okay, and yeah, yeah. Brad and James Stolen. But- you know, we should have known because this happened in 2010 with LeBron and those guys. Mm-hmm. So the move should have been, I should have said to you, he's going to New York. I just have this feeling he's going there. And then we should have talked it out and been like, yeah. well, wait, what about the Nets? What Dolan other teams will fuck are
1: in Does Buffalo have a team? Yeah, no. We should, we should oh, bet against Dolan. Yeah. So we
0: lost that one. And then uh, I made my last Hail Mary bet on Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I watched her second round match. The odds were great. I'm like, I'm in on Coco, another Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And, And uh, and then in two rounds later, she was a fifteen-year-old girl. I loved rooting for her. It was really fun. It was actually that bet was actually worth it. And
1: I think we'll make money uh, betting her in the future. But when they hang nineteen to one odds on her after the big upset, you're like. She's fifteen years old, and they're factoring that in there, right in there. You know, the fact that she didn't get tired was great. It's like, oh, that's nice. I look at Serena, and she's like, she's like in a in a uh, fetal position after the first set sometimes right. because you know whatever it's hot and she's older. But this was great. She didn't get tired. We did all the body language was working our way, but yeah, she's fifteen years old, and and that a year
0: us. older than my daughter. It was yeah. really fun to root yeah. for. Her. So yeah, that capped off. Uh, other than the NFL playoffs, which anytime the Patriots are in the Mm. Super Bowl and doing well, I'm usually going to do well. Right. But uh, the 67-win Celtics thing was a debacle. Right. I wasn't allowed to bet on MVP, even though I was saying Giannis was by yeah. far the best bet. That yeah, was a debacle. And yeah.
1: I made something off that, but thanks <laughs> to you. But you We couldn't.
0: had the Lakers o- over.
1: <laughs> oh, we missed
0: bad. that by 20 games. Right. And, yeah. uh, and there was some other stuff, but this is brutal. So now we're going to bring in the NBA future. Let me just say odds. this. And again,
1: I didn't know shit. I, I, I actually felt crap. like obviously there's opinionists and they're journalists and we're still opinionists, right? Or are you a journalist? What are you? I, who knows? at this I, point? It's so blurry right now. Yeah. But I have, even you and I could pick a game that loses by 30 points and it's excusable because we're using data and everything. But for experts to come on and say, Kawhi is definitely going here. He's definitely. We're in this mind of this guy who doesn't announce it on Canada Day that he's going to Staying with Toronto doesn't announce on the 4th of July that he's coming to the US. He avoided all the pit bulls, he's smart, uh, smarter than everybody, and everybody was still in his head. All the experts knew who it was, and it's kind of it just felt kind of shitty to me to like it was like a waste of time, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, does journalism take a hit here, or is it just there's no accountability, so it doesn't matter? Well, I think what's happening
0: now is you can say anything that sounds like it's from a position of authority, and it will get in the cycle. So but the thing I've always wondered is when is it worth it for somebody to just roll the dice and make it seem like they know it's going to happen, yeah. and if it happens, right? You know,
1: Jalen owned up to it at least. He's like, "I was, wrong. I got bad information, you know, whatever. I didn't know about this extra wrinkle where a guy could sign a max deal and then demand to be traded to a specific team, and it's and nobody knows about it." Like, but that's thing I felt bad for Jalen because yeah. he was right. I was right. hearing
0: all the same stuff last week that. He wanted to go to the Clippers, but they couldn't Mm. find another star, and they struck out on everybody, and he Mm. just wasn't going by himself. So it's like, at that point, who's
1: left? But you do it the right way. You go on Francesca, and you're like, I have no inside information, but I think KD's going to New York. It all makes sense. Here are the reasons Unfortunately, I said the Knicks. You Said the Knicks, yeah, right. I said, no, Banger House is going to the Knicks, but throw, Tessa lost his he, house. He did, I don't have a house, <laughs> my house is gone. I'm living with the horses in the stable. <laughs> uh, back up, yeah, I don't know. He's uh, but you, you do have the disclaimer in the beginning, like I have no inside info. Maybe you could read KD's eyes when you fly up to Oakland to interview him or something, but beyond that, you're not getting anything, and I think just. People are given a disservice when these guys come on. The other thing is, it was absolutely the only thing going on sports-wise. So people really dug their heels in and forced themselves into an opinion that maybe they didn't even believe, you know?
0: Kawhi, whether he did it intentionally or not, he played it perfectly because everybody absolutely. else shut their wad and decided. And yep. then he got this whole week of Kawhi talk. Yeah. And then I just, the Friday night, the earthquake combined with the Kawhi trade was really like a memorable day. Yeah. The yeah. Friday after July 4th, normally like just a fun... July 4th on a Thursday, which is great. Friday is like right. everybody has that day on. And that's
1: when you bury news, right? Friday yeah. night late. So yeah, he had it, he had it down perfectly.
0: I was stunned that the Paul George stuff never came out. Just in general, that he was even unhappy or thinking of yeah, jumping right. or anything. Conspiracy bill has some thoughts.
1: What what is it? You can't you can you hear it.
0: <laughs> I had always thought he was going to the Lakers. And they tampered so badly with him oh, that he basically wasn't allowed to go to the Lakers. And this is just a conspiracy bill theory. Because mm-hmm. everything I had heard for two years was a lot like the Kawhi stuff. Like, right. he's from here. He wants to come back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He wants to come here. And then for him to re-sign with OKC before July 1st was right. just so, didn't match up to anything. Mm-hmm. And it made no sense. Mm-hmm. So my theory a year ago was like, something's fishy here. They yeah. might, there was so much tampering, they must said you can't go. Mm-hmm. So now he ends up not going to the Lakers, goes to the Clippers, he waits a year. Like, what made him unhappy in a year? I still think it's suspicious. So it'll end up being one of those NBA things well, we never know what
1: happened. Well, we do know that people don't like Westbrook, and they don't not like LeBron. So in this specific case, which which put him over the edge— did he do anything to not play for the Lakers because he didn't want to be associated with LeBron? Maybe a little mix of what you're saying, too. Like, the they, he was told not to, whatever. Or is just Westbrook such a cancer and just, like, I, I, everyone's got to get away
0: It seems him. like people like him, though. Like they, it's, Westbrook reminds me of my son where people just get Stockholm Syndrome by being around him. Yeah. He's, like, such a pain in the ass. But right. everybody loves him, but he's a handful. And I think that's, that's what Westbrook's like. Yeah. I think you get... When you're in the middle of it, you don't even realize, like, oh, yeah, that's weird. That guy took 32 shots.
1: But he probably mm-hmm. played, like, 15 games and realized, I can't win a championship with this guy, right?
0: I, that would be my guess, yeah. especially if Westbrook slipped a little. Or he uh-huh. was just like, I'll play here for one more year, and then I'll oh, yeah. figure out if how Westbrook to get that If Westbrook
1: doesn't go to the Heat, are the West All-Stars are favored by 15 points. Oh, wow. What's the opening line?
0: Does Westbrook hurt or help this? Oh my
1: god, I I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that does hurt. Anyway. The
0: West all yeah, like Kemba's like an all star starter now. Yeah, yeah. The West they it's always show up. So it's the insane. NBA futures, I've never seen this before.
1: <laughs> really, war.
0: ever since we've looked at futures, where spread out like four that. to one is the best odds you can get on a favorite, or mm-hmm. like the lowest odds. Mm-hmm. That's never happened. Right? Maybe it happened in 06, but I don't.
1: When we I were in at Vegas 10 years, at never the Caesars, happened. what was the Lakers? Three to one? Three and a yeah. half?
0: Yeah, something like that. Okay, I so think they were even that. Yeah, and this was before the Davis trade. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hour so now, before. So it's Clippers four to one, Lakers plus five fifty, Bucks, same thing. Warriors ten to one, which is just absurd.
2: Mm.
0: Phillies ten to one. Denver fifteen to one. Houston fifteen to one, Utah fifteen to one, Celtics thirty to one, Blazers thirty-five, Brooklyn forty. Indiana forty five, Dallas fifty five. Everybody else. I can Nobody's tell you,
1: uh, sportsbook wise, the the sexy picks are Denver and Utah right now. On that list, I think you like them. I think you like Utah's over wins that people are pounding. I don't.
0: Lot. I'm not as high in Utah. You're not. I think Utah's better, but I, I actually think it's veered too far. All right. It, I I've been thinking about their team, and it's a little too perimeter-y. Mm-hmm. and I worry about like uh, I don't. They're they're missing one thing. They could also make a trade. The uh, there was a couple division bets, but not all of them. Um, Celtics, right? Atlantic is that what we're doing? Oh, it got, oh, it's on the back. Okay, there you go.
1: You know we're betting that.
0: I really like. So this is just my instinct. Mid July. Mm-hmm. I really like Denver as a regular season team this year. I really? think they're going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I like. I just they they're going to build on what happened last year. They've usually been good at home. I like Jokic, MVP-wise, all that stuff. I'm still like mad the at them. I like the Jeremy Grant trade.
1: You should still be mad at them. See, that, that's the thing. I still, Why? I'm still angry at them. Well, they lost They lost me money, at least. I forgot. Oh, the Portland it. series? Yeah, the Portland series. No, how I thought they, we hedged that, that, that 19 different ways. I know. I, and you know what? I hedged 20. I hedged one extra way you didn't know about, and I lost. It. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Well, it's weird. Utah's even to win the division, and Denver is 160. Interesting. And I actually would have thought Denver would have been favored to win the division. Right. So I was surprised by that. The, uh, Where
1: do they put OKC in there with this? OKC
0: seventy-five to
1: one now. No, 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 for the division. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. Seventy-five to one. I guess it's not like they can sign anyone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting if
0: if they turn Westbrook into somebody <laughs> who is actually pretty good. I actually like some of the guys of that yeah. team.
1: They yeah, still have some fun. bets.
0: <laughs> Houston was minus one forty to win the division, mm-hmm. and that's the division with Dallas, San Antonio, New Orleans, Memphis. I don't even know why we're talking about this because we lose division bets every year. Yeah. The Clippers are even to win the division. The Lakers are plus 200. So I thought that was interesting because I don't really see a scenario where the Clippers and Lakers are that good as regular season teams.
1: They're smart enough to figure out.
0: Kawhi's a 60-game guy in the regular season. And then people seem to think Paul George might not be ready for
1: the start of the season. So... So they just have to avoid What's each that, other 50? for the first two rounds, right? Isn't that how, like, well, you so there, just do that wrestling. You'd rest, one wrestle 145. You see the tough guys wrestling 138. Like, all right, you gain weight to avoid. This kind of, you just don't want to meet up in the first round or two, right?
0: Yeah, because it ends up like what happened with uh-huh. Houston Golden State last year. Right. The thing is, like, this is why I like Denver at 15-1 and Houston at 15-1 to win the title. Because... I think they have the best chance to be one, two, or three seed, and you might see the Lakers. Like, how many games is LeBron going to play? Yeah, he's this is year seventeen or eighteen for him. Davis has perennially been banged up or mm-hmm. always had stuff. Hey, what would you say for over under for games played by those two you guys? Know, it's It'd funny. Be like one thirty five, one thirty.
1: Oh, interesting. I was going to make it more specific in how many more games Kawhi and and George play versus uh, LeBron and AD. Oh, it what would you I say? I would that? say less.
0: Really less. Because I'm, I'm has not to sure George is going to be ready for the start of the season. Really? Huh. And then Kawhi is like 60 to 62, he right? Has to sit it's those just yeah. they have to do it that way. I would say over under. No, you have to ask Todd Furman this. All right, I'll ask. Um you. I would say 130 for Kawhi and George. Maybe like 132, something like that. So more, Lakers more could be than a little that higher. For
1: Lakers. Wow.
0: I think Lakers would be like a four game favorite. Because one of those guys could just not get hurt and end up playing like mm-hmm. seventy five, seventy six games.
1: I think a lot of late season ticket holders are going to be disappointed. Not season ticket holders, so because they could see it every night. But if you have a a spot ticket here or there for a Laker game, you're lucky to see both of them play together, right? I mean, it's fifty fifty. I think
0: we, you know, I know, I know, I I was I'm on a gambling slump, but my sure. Clippers tickets not in a slump.
1: What do you mean? Oh, your tickets? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, sell those to pay some of your gambling. After holding, bets. after holding, <laughs> holding the Clippers tickets
0: for fifteen years, and it seemed like Lob City was going to be the gold mine, and it never was. You and could, then people didn't even really like watching those teams. Right. And now it's like, all right, this is a two-year run where they have a chance to make the finals.
1: You could maybe finally rub it into our cousin who uh, throws that back in your face the whole the time. Clippers. The Clippers. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I never understood that. I explained it to him ten times, and it just <laughs> keeps bouncing off of, him, <laughs> going to the other teams. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I don't want to toot my own horn because I had nothing to base it on. But on July fourth, yes, we did lock it in on July fourth. I said the Clippers at sixteen to one wasn't a bad bet, and everyone else saying Toronto at six to one. I was like, no, if they don't sign Kawhi, Toronto's going to be sixty to one, and they're actually eighty, I think. Yeah, uh, to win it. Uh, the Clippers are getting a nice. At least they're fun to root for, even if they don't get Kawhi. Whatever, it's stupid, but they pulled some upsets here and there, and and they got them. That's Maybe nice that's price. why
0: they were taking so long because Uncle Dennis went to Vegas and bought up some Clippers sixteen to one for uh, for the Kawhi side. So Dennis. the other thing that jumps out to me here, the first eight teams, there's mm. eight teams that are fifteen to one or lower. Yeah. Six of them are in the West. Right. To win the title, the Bucks are plus five fifty in the East, and the Sixers are plus one thousand. Mm-hmm. That doesn't add up to me. So there, we there's always has to be three teams in a conference that have a chance. So right, Celts thirty to one, Nets forty to one, Pacers forty five to one. The Pacers. Well, what do you mean? those adds, Did
1: you say Philly? I said Philly. Oh, you did. Okay.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a three seed that. Plays a not very good team in round one, mm. and then gets a shot at the second best team in round two. This is basically the Toronto Philly path last year, where the right. two threes seemed ended up going to the finals. So who is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, pick it.
0: You, you're gonna hate me. The South's thirty to one. I don't think don't it's do a it. terrible bet.
1: Don't do it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's terrible.
0: Yeah, they're one trade away. They
1: have good players. I texted you. I feel like we bet they're over on the win totals and lose every year. They won <laughs> four to the last five years. It was the this only past last year was the only only one. But why why are they going to be better? You just think
0: Well, I think they're going to be better, but I also think they they have out of all these teams, they have a chance to actually package some contracts and picks uh, together see. and try to get one more guy. All right. So I think the team they have right now isn't maybe the team they have in February. Mm-hmm. And if you look at these other teams, Clippers are the team they're going to be unless they can get Iguodala. Lakers are the team they're probably going to be. Bucks don't have a move. Warriors have a D'Angelo-Russell trade, which I think is why their odds are low at 10-1. to Because I think people are starting to wonder if they flip him in December for whatever. Sixers, I I mean, it's a really expensive team now. I'm not sure what the move is there. Um, But you go down down the line, the Celts actually could – Package somebody together. I just don't know who the player is. Well,
1: I don't know the packages either. But and you're going to hate me for doing this, but people sleeping on the Bucks, the favorite, and Giannis for MVP. Now the Bucks, yes, the one team they couldn't beat was this Toronto Kawhi team. That right. was it. Like they probably would have mowed through everybody on that side, and would have beat up this uh, this mash unit that uh, that you know Toronto was fortunate to face in Golden State. But all right, if you love Brogdon, that's one thing. But I kind of think you know they're getting better. They win 60 games at 45 wins by double digits. Uh, Giannis' numbers are going up while his minutes are going down. It's really phenomenal what that team does. Like I wouldn't sleep on them. That's a nice price for them early on.
0: And the motto would be LeBron 10 years ago. Yeah. He won in 09. Mm-hmm. Team one seed did the whole thing. And then in 2010, he won it again. Not quite as good of a team as 09. Yeah. So we've seen it. Usually... Usually with the MVP, you win it. If it's a younger player, they usually win it in a cluster. So if they're going to win one, they, it's, they. it might be two in a row well, or three in a row yeah, or whatever. Or he's only three to one. Right, I know. It's because he's going to win. And I don't even feel like he peaked as a player last no. year. That was the funny thing about voting for him last year. It was like, I still feel like two years from now, he's going to be better than he is now. Yeah. So he's three to one. Harden's five to one. Curry's five to one. Kawhi's eight to one, which is ludicrous. He's gonna play 60 games.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Davis is 10 to 1. LeBron's 10 to 1, Embiid's 12 to 1. Jokic 12 to 1. Doncic 15 to 1. And then it gets silly after that. You could
1: throw Davis and LeBron out of there because they'll uh, that, that's the classic cancel each other out thing. Right. Who, who I'm could, gonna flip it on you for t- a second. Tell me one how many games would they have to win for one of those two? To, to...
0: So here's the upside with Davis. Yeah. For the last five years. He was the guy most mentioned as who's the most likely guy to win an MVP out of all these 25 and under guys. He was always the first pick, Mm -hmm. right? I think I even have stuff written in my archives back when I used to write from 2014. Somebody asked me that as a mailbag question. Who's the next best choice for MVP after LeBron? I was like Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. So he's never won one. We know his ceiling is best player in the league potentially. He's going to be in LA. He yeah. is going to have LeBron as the best guy he's ever played. This is the best team he's ever been on.
1: Yeah, there's a chance he just kicks ass. This
0: is why I can't count. Well, just the throw Lakers. me numbers.
1: Tell me how many wins the Lakers would have to have, and what his stat line would have to be versus LeBron's. Like, what would for Davis to win? So
0: realistically, because he did this two yeah. years ago, the second half of the season with New Orleans. Realistically, he could put up like thirty and. 13 every night.
1: All right. That's a
0: realistic, realistic stat line for him. Mm -hmm. And if That's already
1: better than Giannis.
0: And if LeBron's doing the thing, so the upside, and this is why I like the Lakers' regular season upside more than the Clippers' regular season upside. I think the Clippers are a safer bet, but Mm -hmm. I also think there's a world in which Davis just crushes next season and he's fucking awesome yeah and that's the variable I don't think the Clippers have for the regular season right so he goes and he plays let's say he stays healthy he plays 80 games um LeBron is like totally happy just to be his sidekick mm-hmm. and take over when it matters and do that whole
1: thing. <laughs> what are you um, talking about? How is that gonna happen? Well, he's this is his 17th year. Look, look, Kyle's loaded up on painkillers right now. He can't <laughs> keep a straight face. You want to talk about Kyle's bike accident? <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> oh, shit. It's staring us right in the face. Kyle, Kyle is bandaged on both the arms. arms everywhere.
0: He has a slight cut on his on his head. He has two fingers in uh, just a, a broken pinky. That's all. Are you missing a He tooth? broke a pinky? Yeah. It's all right. And then what, 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 what other injuries do you That's have? I said just contusion on the leg, but it's all right. So Kyle, there's a bike, like a, like a Schwinn bike? Mm, I'm embarrassed to say no. It's one of those, you know, the ones you see zipping around. Kyle does the bird scooters and the bikes, yeah, and, and he flies floor. around. <laughs> and these people are getting wiped out left and right. right on the streets of LA. It's going wrong all the time. But I had a faulty bike, though. It's I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. The thing that I did wrong was getting on that one.
2: The top so you knew
0: off. it was faulty. Yeah. The top came off. For the pod, you know, where did it go? uh, In the street, the top—it was loose. The steering column was loose, and I knew I shouldn't do it, but I was like, "I gotta go," and I was just crossing this intersection, and the top just came off. Wow.
1: I'm and over the weight limit. No, no drink it? No no no, 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 Not at nine in the morning. You know, morning. our friend Jake, who wrote with us on Jimmy Kim Alive and then inexplicably became a doctor, says yeah. he sees bird scooter accidents. A lot. He can't get out of the ER. He's like, ah, oh, fucking another bird scooter. That's what, what they said to me. They were like, Jesus, novels. we've had so five of many, you guys today. So sure. many. Yeah.
0: Bird scooters are the new market inefficiency for ER. <laughs> you think they're
1: uh, in cahoots with them? Or like for like healthcare? Replenishing
0: hospitals? Yeah. So I like Davis at 10 to 1. I like Jokic at 12-1. to one. The only thing with him is, I mean, that's a bet. You're betting that the Nuggets are the best team in the West. Yeah. I don't know statistically how much room there is for him to grow. I guess it would have to resemble his playoff stats. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be like, in the playoffs, he, his stats were even better than they were in the regular season. I if guess he was able he to pull like that off. played like
1: a six overtime game in there somewhere. Well, that's true. that that probably helped. But no, I, I could see him winning in the next three or four years. But oh, man, this year is so so tough with all those big guns at top
0: and then curry was the only one i had 5 to 1 just the odds are too low it's not good value but uh-huh. could he just have an incredible year keeping the warriors as you know we counted these guys out right nobody could have expected this
1: yeah Steph curry's never been better in one of those seasons but again like so you have to aside from that westbrook year you have to end up top 2 seeds right so oh, the warriors going to how many wins would they have to? You'd to- have to hope
0: everyone cancels each other yeah, out. Right. So, you think with Davis, the roadmap is
1: I think the Lakers are even
0: better than we thought. Yeah. He's 30 and 13 every night. Has to be. And everybody's like, holy shit, this guy is now the best player in the West. We didn't, we knew right. he was good. We didn't realize he was this good.
1: But don't you think LeBron at some point, like, hey, calm down. We don't have to win all these games. We don't even have to play. I think all LeBron's these games. at a different point in his career. Yeah.
0: I think he wants to win. But I also think like, you know, on Wednesday at 3.30, his son's going to be playing a basketball game and he's right. going to, instead of doing the hyperbaric chamber for three hours, he's going to be driving a Sierra Canyon right. to watch his kid play. Interesting. And so Davis actually helps him in a lot of ways. Davis can carry so the burden. So who rubs
1: off on who is the question. Yeah.
0: Or do you think LeBron's just wired like That's- our cousin, like our cousin, where he's just... Has to work all the time. I like think LeBron's like, he has to just work out all the time.
1: Yeah, I think so. But also smart about it. Knows which seeds you have to avoid. And well, the smart
0: have. move is to ride Anthony Davis like he's secretary at these six months. Right. And just climb on that dude's back and be like. Yeah. Like if, if I were him, I don't know if he would do this, but you start, you start laying. The... So here's the thing. Here's what we have to watch out for. Because mm-hmm. LeBron is the most manipulative in a good way athlete that we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. Everything he does has a purpose. If there's a narrative in September that LeBron LeBron is going to get the MVP for Anthony Davis this year, this is a big thing. Like uh, we immediately bet Anthony Davis. He'll back.
1: He'll back that. Right.
0: And if there or there's some clutch narrative or I see clutch has. Some reporter, like, I and see. then all of a sudden there's this big Anthony Davis puff piece, but the centerpiece of it is I want to win the MVP this year. Right. And then LeBron's on board with it in the piece.
1: Right. We got to go all in okay. on Davis. So he's basically coach of the year, too. He should be, he should yeah. have odds for yeah. on Yeah.
0: Well, I yeah. mean, it's actually a really good thing for LeBron if. Sure. You know, he gets credit for, he brought Davis there. Davis uh-huh. is the MVP. This is great. Yeah. I just don't like their team that much. I, I really did not like a lot of their moves. You
1: think Kawhi, I mean, you said he shut out the media. Did he shut out the Lakers? Like, you think that was all part of the deal, too? I know you've talked about this, but.
0: It seemed a little intentional. waited
1: on it. Like, well, who would the Lakers? It seemed
0: very, got- a very Italian move by him. <laughs> are we sure Kawhi's not part <laughs> he Italian? He is Italian. He's very Michael corleone Yeah,
1: interesting. <laughs>
0: Kawhi corleone Leonard. <laughs> um What about Wimbledon?
1: Uh, I like uh, Joker. We have him on the pod. We all bet him. He's only 162 to win this thing. Um, I think you go by grass. You look at what these guys have done on grass the last few times. He's beaten Federer. He's uh, the last two times in four and five sets. And I think he's beaten Nadal the last time in four sets. So if he gets by, if he wins tomorrow, I think that's good. At minus 162, he'll be like a minus 350 favorite. So that's the
0: semis tomorrow.
1: Yeah, if he gets past that. Nadal, I can't believe I Nadal and Federer are playing again. You can't touch that. How are they playing again? I know. It's when amazing. is that? That's 10 o'clock ET. Well, you have to wake up a little early to catch
0: good that. Lord. But that'll be fun. And then the women's Coco is out. It's great, though. I have a hot take on the women's final. Let's I watched it. a lot of Wimbledon this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Halep's really good. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the reasons Coco fell apart was because Halep's just a machine. She was best. like <laughs> sure. painting the corners, mm-hmm. and she's never won. Yeah. And she does feel like one of those that has the talent to just be like, oh, she won a Wimbledon one year? Mm-hmm. Which seems
1: like it happens. Well, Serena's won like eight out of nine against her. so uh, And she's, what, a 180 favorite or something? So we could do well betting Hallop. <laughs> Is
0: there a least fun person to wager on than Serena? You we're the histrionics and the sighing and mm-hmm. every point looks like her body's going to break down, and mm-hmm. I just never know how to read what she's thinking.
1: I liken it to our early our boxing bets. Remember we lost like six boxing bets in a row when we first met. Like we couldn't, yeah, yeah, it. that middleweight. We just couldn't figure it out. It's the same thing. Like you're feeling every punch with Serena because her body language is just she she brings you in. You she's just
0: so exasperated yeah, and right. exhausted, and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my god, is she going to like pass out?
1: Yeah. She and, she wants to kill the official more than win this match. Yeah, and, and God forbid she look over at her coach, she'll be fined or uh, you know uh, penalized the point. So right, there's so much to worry about with her. It's funny, like
0: you go back and you watch her in the early mid two thousands because they had some old matches on. And I was watching her and mm. she didn't do that stuff. It's definitely like I'm yeah. old. This it's she's almost become. Like one of those cops in a cop movie, the guy right. who's like, ah, I don't have time for this shit anymore. <laughs> like that's kind of how she's,
2: yeah, yeah. How also she also she's a mother. As,
1: Think about our wives' play. Oh my Like God. just no patience at all, right? Why should I have patience with anybody? Oh my God.
0: Can you yeah. imagine? No. She's furious at her kid <laughs> going out there. <laughs> oh, no, you have a parent just, corner, speaking of.
1: Oh, I do. I don't know if you have one, but... Um, so I'm, I'm home a little more. You know, locking in is over. I have like a month off. I can chill a little, but I forgot it means like being around the kids and they fight just all the time. So we promised them we were going to get one anyway, but we promised them we'd get a dog at the end of the summer if everyone behaved themselves, if they can keep the fighting to a minimum. Didn't work. They're at each other's throats like Im- immediately, especially my, my five-year-old and, and 11-year-old right after each other. So I was like, hey, you get three fights and then this dog idea goes away. And they want a dog. They yeah. really do. They just don't know how to get along. And they don't catch it themselves in the time. So we counted down. I actually, I gave them five fights. So we counted five. Really, in the car, I'll yell, three, three left. And like, you know, what are we? We're second week of July? They don't, they're not going to make it another six weeks. They had one more fight. They got to zero fights. They got, I was like, that's it. No dog. No, like, come on, please. They're begging me. I'm like, all right. Next fight, though, the dog loses a leg. We get a, th- <laughs> we get a three-legged dog. And I'm not kidding. And uh, like, all right, fine. All right, fine. That, that lasted like two days. And they were fighting again. I was like, three-legged dog. So now they've been good for like a week. And they're researching three-legged dogs and how to care for a three-legged dog and real. everything. And I, I keep saying, you know, one more fight, a leg goes away. Figuring they'll, they'll figure out that I'm joking. Now they're all in on the three-legged dog. And not fighting anymore. And not fighting. And I'm like, I don't want a fucking three-legged dog. How did this happen? How is this going to be worse for me? So they're doing honest research. Like there are like damaged dogs out there, which is fine. It's nice to care for the, uh, the needy. But uh, I don't know how this backfired. Like most things I, I, I point out too. But yeah, we're getting a three-legged dog at, at best. <laughs> if, uh, anyone has, if anyone has any uh, tips on how to raise them. Um
0: my parent corner is my son was is bored with all of his video games. No. And he's just played all of them. He created a baseball player for MLB named Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> 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 that he uh that has now just progressed and is the best player at MLB. Mm. He's tired of Fortnite. Apparently Fortnite's not cool anymore.
1: Right. It's great. And, uh, he's learning history
0: though, right? And I'd promised him years ago. Mm. He really wanted Grand Theft Auto. Oh. And I was like, you're too young. That yeah. game's totally inappropriate. No way. And then last year, he's like, what about you? No, no way. Now, <laughs> this year, I I just, he'd, he'd been good. I was proud of him for a couple different things. So I was like, all right, we'll get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we get Grand Theft Auto. Might have been a mistake. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest game he's ever played in his life. Oh, yeah. He absolutely loves it completely. He can't believe he's never really driven before. The he discovered how to just drive over the pedestrians and get the cops oh. to chase you and all that stuff. Is so is he, he the did,
1: one that hit Kyle on a bird scooter? He might have.
0: <laughs> so he's played this game, trying to see if he can get to five stars, which is basically like they've sent the entire SWAT team after you. Right. And uh, it just <laughs> it made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what about the missions? He's like, yeah, there's some missions, but I'm
1: just trying to get to five stars. Didn't he throw a, a remote through the TV or something?
0: That was like a year and a half ago. No, what? he didn't. No, less than a year. It, it bounced and ricocheted oh, okay. and hit All the. Right.
1: So, hit but the you, thing.
0: you replaced it. Are we uh-huh. sure it bounced? <laughs> We know about his story was that it bounced, <laughs> <I don't know.
1: laughs> it bounced off Bill's head into the TV. <laughs> oh, that's
0: so, great. My son's playing grand theft auto and I'm sure I'll have some more stories about what that. What a summer. By the way, not a not violent game.
1: No, no. I think they put a little rating on that. It's supposed to scare everyone away.
0: Yeah. It didn't scare off my kid. I mean, <laughs> my, did I tell you the big mouse story? No, we found it. out he had watched all the Big Mouths. We didn't realize oh. he was stealth watching all of them. Mm-hmm. And they had this puberty talk at school. And um, it was the day before they knew it was coming. And they mm-hmm. said some of the kids would have to ask a question. So I'm like, what's your question going to be? And he's like, I don't need to ask a question. I've seen every episode of Big Mouth. <laughs> I know there's nothing about puberty I don't know. Awesome. I'm like, really? You're not going to ask a question? And he's like,
1: I might ask how to clean up a wet dream. <laughs> well you need to bring the ringer crew there if that's the case if he's gonna ask that so 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 I was like wow
0: so I was like um don't ask that <laughs> do me a favor please don't bring that up so he did not ask that oh right. he did okay. so yeah so I feel like my son has learned puberty through Nick Kroll and Big right. Beth, which I'm not sure this is a good thing or not. <laughs> so
1: you owe him; he hooked you up there.
0: The thing is, if we were 11 30 years ago, we would have watched all of those shows. I, yeah, I don't know. I
1: for sure. How can you stop it? You can't stop it either way. You might Also, as, well... as soon as one of their friends is doing it, you can't. You know, whether it's getting an iPhone or anything, you got to be the cool parent, right? So it if sucks.
0: anyone out there knows how to clean up a wet dream, email <laughs> us at mailbag
1: at the yeah. or three-legged dog care, <laughs> three-legged dog care, whatever you want. So you're done with locking in for how many weeks? That's it four weeks. in the middle of August, we go back. Uh, I came in second. I lost to Furman Clay Travis.
0: So you kept it like a season there.
1: week after week, week after week. Uh, we made between the three of us, we made 2,200 bets. And, like, uh, 1,200 parlays. It's insane. Like, my head started spinning once I saw it. But uh, it'll be good to to recharge did, for, did for you, football. Is there
0: a strategy you learned actually worked? You know like what? Like, the, the big-ass, long-range parlays kind of are helpful, right?
1: The big-ass, the big mouth. The, the, a lot of wet dreams to clean up on it. You know, I, I, I took a lot of big swings there to try to catch up to Furman. But who all, always says, and I laughed at him, he says, you guys bet games. I bet numbers. Like, you bet teams. I'm like, yeah. I don't give a crap if the Patriots are favored by one and a half, and it moves to two and a half. That they're, they're going to kill the Titans. Why do I care? But over the course of a year, it makes a difference. And we're talking
0: about going to Vegas end of August mm. to do a big NFL preview podcast at our cousin's comedy club. Do you Let's think do they'll it. have
1: us? I think they'll have us. I think they'll have us the first Sunday too. He's trying to look at something.
0: I t- I, I didn't tell you. I talked yeah. about it on the pod the other day about uh, I had an epiphany with just Vegas. Oh no! About uh about blackjack there and how
1: oh yeah all yeah, the yeah. shit
0: they're doing to basically just take our money as fast as fast <laughs> we possibly can. So I talked about it in the pod and got some recommendations from people and and this is like the bigger casinos are all doing this six to five thing now.
1: Yeah and it's yeah. just like they you used know to be New apologetic is about it they don't now yeah right? they're
0: just doing it. They don't even tell you you just assume to know. Right. But I got uh a couple casinos that don't do that. Right. Including my beloved Treasure Island.
1: Is
2: that
0: right? Where I lost my Vegas virginity. Wow. Not my actual virginity, my Vegas virginity. We <laughs> stayed there and uh we stayed there a few times, but apparently they are three to two, split aces however many times you want. Yeah. Um they they're basically rebelling against all these other casinos. Right. And then everybody else was saying old Vegas.
1: Well, the problem um, yeah, old Vegas. Old is-
0: Vegas has all the old rules and and Um, But people are really dissatisfied with this. This feels like this is a crisis point for Vegas where I think everybody kind of feels the same way. Fuck you, you don't want me to win anymore. Not that they ever wanted you to win, but at least- you know the difference between six to five and three to two in blackjack is significant, well,
1: especially the way you play. You play for seven hours straight. <laughs> one tip. it's yeah, not it's like you matters. get lucky. I don't see one blackjack over twenty minutes, so it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, the way you play it is, I, I've I've lost like six times in a row playing blackjack. That's I, that's I, I can't. I you've had some luck, but no, what?
0: I've I've lost the last seven times. I was really there. yeah dating to what right after I left ESPN. Uh-huh. You, me, and Jacoby went there. Remember? Yeah, and like think, uh, end of May, we all lost, uh-huh. and I haven't once. I haven't
1: won in Vegas since. Yeah, it sucks. There needs to be a new game or something. And it's tough to switch tables because they're all full.
0: They're all full. They all have the same terrible odds, mm. and you know. I so anyway. I have some. I'll, I haven't gone through all the emails yet. Thanks to everybody who emailed, but it does feel all like right. there are still fun places to gamble in, in Vegas. I would also advise the casinos doing the six to five thing to just switch back because people fucking hate it. Right? Um, maybe they don't care, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. But it bugs me.
1: They make enough money. I think.
0: Yeah, I think they, somewhere in there guess what you you were doing great with three to two. Yeah, give right. us anything.
1: Yeah. But you, You'll smoke cigarettes with half the nicotine that they pass around, right? If they give you three to two. I back. even
0: smoked two cigarettes and could, <laughs> still couldn't win on Saturday night. It was my first two cigarettes of 2019. I love it. It was so sad. I woke up the next morning. I had no money left. Ugh. I had I had 18 cigarettes and I'm like, do I pack these and give them the nephew Kyle? And then I'm like, no, why do I want to give him like more cigarettes? No, I want do him to that. stop smoking. Kyle, not no realize he was going to flip on his bird. <laughs> uh but it was anyway. a bike it was a bike <laughs> bike whatever
1: uh <laughs> uh the cuz all right so against the
0: odds you can listen to that here sal against every the week. odds
1: i have paul Laduke on this week uh i mean the general trifecta and i go over mlb mid props your red Sox are plus 180 uh to make the playoffs i kind of think they're, they're gonna get there that's one of my bigger bets plus 180 they're yeah. only
0: like what two games back in the wild card? A there may be one
1: game on the second yeah. wild card. It's
0: been between one and two in yeah. the second wild right. card.
1: So you need some guys. It's a weird Red Sox players.
0: season because statistically, offensively, it's actually as good of a team as last year, mm-hmm. and like Devers is much better than he was and stuff right. like that. But closer, the, closer the bullpen has just stuff. murdered us. Yeah, it really has. It's caught. It's it completely swung the season. Yeah, but I feel like they could trade for a closer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Wait, the next two weeks or. I didn't weeks. ask you about
1: Pete Alonso. I forgot.
0: Love him. He's the greatest. Is this your first great Met hitter that your kids would like since you've had kids? Well, David
1: Wright. My oh yeah, my David That's caught, right. caught him on the tail end. On
0: the man. tail end. But
1: this is so much fun. But you know, with the the home run derby, you know, you're so now accustomed to thinking this screws up your guy's swing the rest of the year. And then I'm like, what the hell do I care? If he wins the home run derby, this is like a top ten Met moment <laughs> <in> <laughs> right of the last thirty years. years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I think it was and, uh, and then he singles Off a Yankee glove In the All-Star game So maybe he has a swing back It's nice It's fun to have a good A slugger on the team
0: I enjoyed the All-Star I liked how they mic The guys in the All-Star game yeah, I actually that enjoyed good. that They were talking To the left fielder And then somebody Hit a ball to him Right Like right after That was pretty funny though yeah. The uh, Cuz, Always a pleasure Good job by you Good job by you All right, Camille's coming up, but first, let's face it, guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Studies show 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it, and that's bad. The thing most people don't realize is that ED is like a check engine light for a man's body. It could be an indicator that something more serious is going on, like a heart issue or diabetes. Well, Roman has a solution. They've created an easy, discreet way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. It's a one-stop shop. Licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose your ED, then ship meds right from their pharmacy to your door. And with Roman, you don't have to wait in waiting rooms, deal with any awkward face-to-face conversations, or make any uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You just have to visit GetRoman.com slash Bill, fill out a brief questionnaire, chat with a doctor, and get real FDA-approved medication if recommended by your doctor. All prescribed online, delivered straight to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys... Go talk to the doctor. ED is a problem that guys don't tackle, but it's really important. And now with Roman, it's really easy to take care of it for a free, repeat free online visit. Go to getroman.com slash bill. Um, Camille Nanjani came in and we had an awesome podcast and talked about a lot of things. And I had been dying to have him on for a while. Here he is. All right. Camille Nanjani's here. I said that right, right?
2: Yeah, perfectly.
0: Because you had the whole thing when the when you first became famous, and you were saying like, "My name is pronounced exactly how it looks; like it should be pronounced."
2: Oh yeah, sure, yeah, it really is.
1: Yeah,
0: so yeah, I sat behind you at WrestleMania, but you sat next to my son. I did. You were you were fanboying out big time for Batista. Yes, but you had this beard, and I just didn't. I was like, "That guy looks like Camille," and but I know it's not because he's just going crazy for Batista. Wow, And, and then. Then he's leaving, and it was like, boy, that Kameo was, was really out of control. I'm like, I'm like that was him? <laughs> and my son hung out with you for, he I was,
2: don't know, 45 minutes. Yeah, I talked to your son a bunch. He's very smart. With wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but he really, because I am not, I'm just friends with Batista. I am yeah. not a wrestling fan. Yeah. You know, I was like back when it was Hitman Hart and all that stuff yeah, in yeah, the yeah. 90s. But I haven't like kept up. So your son was sort of catching me up and telling me about some of the storylines and all that stuff. Yeah, he's like the Stephen A. Smith of the WWE for 11-year-olds. Is he really? You know,
0: he just, he knows everything. Yeah. He was in our, because WrestleMania went forever. You you were able to come in and out. It was like I, five hours, and I, he was just talking to It was to more than five, or five hours. Five and a half?
2: It, it was it was like, well, with the pre-thing, it was over seven hours. Yeah, and true. Uh, you didn't we weren't there for that, though, were you? I was up in the box. Oh. So Batista had like a box. So we were like hanging out in there. And then I went down for the fight, the match. They're very specific. Can't say fight. I did an interview afterwards with WWE and they would be like, hey, could you do that again? But instead of fight, say match. And instead of wrestler, say superstar. Seriously? WWE superstars. That's what they're called. Well, the funny thing is Batista
0: got the shit kicked out of him in that match. That was a really violent match. And we were right there. And they were just beating the shit out of each other.
2: I was really scared for him because he's 50 years old. Yeah. And I was like I can he's he's got his movie career is doing great. He's he's lined up like the next four movies and they're all huge. And I was just like why would you put yourself in this situation where you could like ruin this thing that you've worked so hard on? But it was really important to Dave that he end his career right. So when we were Doing our movie last summer, he was like, you know, I really—it's really heartbreaking that my career didn't go the way I wanted it to. I want to go back and end it. However, his I wrestling
0: career, yeah, what didn't go right about it? He was a from massive I,
2: star. From what I understand, yes, but apparently, I don't want to speak out of turn, but apparently, he was a bad guy, right? Heel, right? Heel, and he was very popular. And then he was so popular that they made him a good guy, and then he wasn't popular anymore. Yeah, that ruined it. It's, so, always,
0: it's always better just be the heel yes. that the people like anyway.
2: So I believe then, again, not a wrestling fan. This is what I think he told me. He left. And then when he came back for his comeback, he came back again as a good guy. And again, it didn't quite work. So he yeah. was like, I want to go back and end my career as a bad guy because that's what people really want. And that's what he wants. I think it's funny that you've been in my life for a decade and you grew this thick beard
0: and I didn't know it was you. for. <laughs> what like, do you mean I've been I in your- a sports and pop culture website? <laughs> but you, some people grow a beard and they just like transform into different people.
2: I grew a beard for this movie and I just didn't get rid of it. But I'm, I'm going to get rid of it it's, soon. It
0: definitely gives you
2: like a little edge. Yeah. I mean, you know, a part of me was, I'll, okay, so I'm 41 now. Yeah. And I was always afraid of being old. You yeah. know, I was scared of, when I hit 30, I was devastated. Devastated about my age through all all my 30s. And then when I hit 40, I kind of like suddenly actually felt better. I felt like uh, like this pressure was off or something. And so then I'd always- I mean, you look like the Dos Equis guy now. Thank you so much. You should, you should be flying around. <laughs> is that the guy whose identity they had? Like the actor, we don't know who he is. Yeah, it's is is a man of mystery. So now I grew a beard being like, you know what? I'm 41, and it's fine if I look like a grown man. So why
0: were you—because I felt the same way when when 30 was coming. I was freaking out because I felt like I had had all these plans— when I left college, and I'm like, I'm going to be 30. I haven't done anything yet. I feel like the biggest fucking loser on the planet. That's exactly. Like, is
2: that right. how you felt? That is exactly what it was. Yeah. I sort of, I, not a late start. I wasn't like Rodney Dangerfield or anything. But right after college, I went to Chicago. And the plan was, I'm going to do stand-up in Chicago for two years, move to New York. Sort of got stuck in Chicago for six years. Yeah. So I always felt like I kind of wasted my time. The mo- most of my twenties doing these shows in Chicago that, ultimately, I turned out were very beneficial. But at right. the time, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels. And not so you're like, it. that sh- that was five years, and it
0: should have just been eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. Because I had time a bunch- goes by though in your twenties. You look up, watch out, Kyle. Kyle's only twenty five. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, time. all of a sudden you look up and 30's not that far away, and you do have this crisis of wait a second, Well, I haven't, and, I haven't done anything.
2: And then what happened was when I moved to New York, I started doing open mics because you have to start over. Yeah. So I was doing, I was about, you know, I was like 27 and everyone else was 22. So I just kind of felt like everybody was like a little bit further ahead of me. And I felt like at my age, I should have accomplished more than I had.
0: Plus as a minority comedian, you have your own kind of baggage that comes with that where you're being measured... I don't know, the scale just seemed a little different.
2: Yes, although when I got to New York, that pressure went away. Really? Uh, How yeah. come? I think, you know, I when right before I moved to New York, I think Aziz was like the biggest thing in New York, and he really sort of defined himself by not doing that sort of hack ethnic material. Yeah. So when I got there, I wasn't like the first brown guy who wanted to just do stand-up and not really talk about, you know, stuff that could be cliched or whatever. So I think that's what I meant by
0: the baggage by it, because this was the decade where that flipped. And I and I think the same thing with female comedians. I think in the eighties, when I was growing up the eighties, nineties, if you saw somebody who wasn't a white dude doing stand up, you were just kind of like, okay, let's Let's say you're Let, female, you're right. do, talk about all your stuff. And that's right. It just was the, what people expected. And when people tried to veer away from that, it was almost like, wait, wait, what?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think most of 2000s was like that too. I like agree. When I was doing, when I was, was first started doing stand up, that's what people expected me to do. And right after 9 there were actually a lot of, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a huge burst of, well, that's not a good term to use. But uh there was an explosion of brown comedians. That's horrible. Uh but there really was. There were a yeah. bunch of like brown dudes from Middle East, Pakistan, places like that, who who sort of came up and were were doing stand-up and talking about that stuff. And I was doing stand-up then and I was like, well I don't wanna I didn't want to talk about that stuff. So I didn't. Um, well
0: now you have the last couple years here and immigration and all that stuff. Like, how are you still doing stand up? Like, how much do you do? I haven't been able to do stand up. Because you're doing acting like full time,
2: basically. Pretty much full time acting and writing. And part of the problem with me with stand up was, and I'm trying to figure this out myself, is my stand up style changed. And then I was very happy with where it was. And I feel like in the last couple of years, I can't quite figure out what the next thing would be. Like, you know, I sort of went from doing one liners and bits to doing stories. And then now I feel like with the stories, it feels a little unsatisfying. And I want to try and see what the next thing would be. But honestly, that's probably just a cop-out. I'm probably just.
0: well. You, but you have to go out and you have to do six months and yeah, it's hone your lot. material and hone different pieces, all that stuff. It's, it's And
2: it's hard. Like, for it's a inc- haul. It is. Like right now, you know, <clears throat> acting, promoting this stuff, um, writing at night. I don't want to go do stand up. I'm I'm creatively satisfied and I'm really tired. You have a great beard. I've got this great beard. Just I like, want to stay in suck and it, it in the mirror, it. like
0: just <laughs> brushing it. Have you had a beard ever? Uh, I did. I just shaved it. I bet you'd have a great it's, beard. It's, it's just laziness. Mine's gets too white now. It actually make weirdly makes me look older.
2: No, but you're. I was going to say your hair, your gray hair looks great. Thank you. Silver it's, Fox. Yeah. yeah, I'm
0: trying. Yeah, total Silver Fox. No, I, I, I like having the beard. I need like 20% more hair. Like yours is nice nice and full. Oh, yours mine is, is Mine is a little more, you patchy. know. Yeah, you can kind of see each individual hair if you look <laughs> closely. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't want any of them to stand out. You want yeah. them all to hang out together. Do you
0: think, would you be te- messing around with stand-up if we didn't live in a world where people are just... Sneaking iPhone videos of people trying out stand-up material? Because I would be really intimidated by that.
2: I mean, I remember, yeah, that's really, really scary. It's also, you know, we're just, um... (sighs) As you become more well known, each thing you talk about on stage comes under a bigger and bigger microscope. You have more to lose. You have more to lose and also people can misunderstand what you're saying. Someone can quote something you said on stage and it can be completely like misconstrued, mistake. I even think of like someone like Hannibal with the Bill Cosby bit that somebody taped. Yeah. I'm sure Hannibal is probably like, kind of sucks that that's the thing I'm known for. Yeah. You know, if you look at Hannibal, he was like really, really, I felt like he kind of decided to uh, retreat a little bit for a little bit right after that, because that's all that anybody wanted to talk about.
0: I don't like where where that's gone with stand-up comedy. Even somebody like Jesselnik, who was on this podcast actually last month, who pushes the envelope a little. And I'm, you know, when... When you're getting damn close to the line, right? And the line's right there. And the funniest thing about some of the jokes you're doing is how close you got to the line without going over it. You're going to have to try jokes that accidentally go over the line. And they're like,
2: oh, I didn't realize. Okay, the line's there. I'll scale that back. And I don't know how you practice that anymore. Well, Anthony, I think, is such a specific example because he could do it better than anybody he yeah. can get away with jokes that other people can't and i've seen people online try and come after him yeah and the way he handles it he's he just not laughs at them. he just laughs at them he makes fun of them he's like <laughs> yeah. yeah it is really offensive yeah Thank you're you right for, i'm the worst person yeah sorry that's, that's exactly right and then he doubles down and yeah. so he's kind of like he's teflon you know he's never gonna apologize never has to apologize but also it's his comic persona this is a big thing that i've noticed that happens when people misconstrue stuff in TV and movies now. They think what a character is saying is what the creator is saying. And that's not true. So, for instance, there'll be uh, a—I've seen, like, uh, so there's YA novels, you know, young adult novels. They're, like, really—that community is very uh, intense about policing itself. (laughs) I would say. Do you know about this? Well, I have a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm aware. So what they'll do is they might quote something a bad guy says and be like, this is what's in this book. Do we want our kids to be exposed to this? When really, that's what the bad guys say. That's the point. Like, for instance, in my movie, The Big Sick, in the beginning, for the most of the movie, my character is wrong, right? Like, he's wrong about the way he's approaching his relationship, his family life, whatever. And people use that as an example of thinking how I think, which is completely not true. That's that character. That's that version of me. Um, Wait, so you're th-
0: ruining this for Kyle. He. I saw. It. What are you talking he about? He thought you were the same yeah. guy. He didn't realize.
2: You were. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's I think a big weird thing is that a l- lot of times the context is taken away, and also it's hard. It's a hard time for nuance, and I also think stuff that sort of checks a bunch of. And again, I am the most liberal guy in the world. Like yeah. truly, truly. But I feel like stuff that checks all the boxes of being woke is received better than stuff that. Is actually of a better quality, but may not go out of its way to make those points.
0: Because it's a pander culture in 2018. I think. You you know, you can say certain things, and everybody's going to be, if it checks all those boxes, everybody's like, great.
2: Yeah. And they're like, you've
0: checked all the boxes. Good job.
2: I've seen so many things that I'm like, this is not a well made movie. It's the dialogue is bad. The story doesn't work. The jokes aren't funny. It's politics are right. Yeah. And so that's why it gets really lauded. I'm hoping it's an overcorrection and then things will sort of go back to how they were. But there are certain things now that you're kind of not allowed to dislike. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I also don't like that the The exchange of ideas used to be better if you didn't agree with some uh, with somebody else. There was more of a discourse about it. And like, let's say I had somebody who you know, the most conservative person ever on my podcast who was really over the line. My job, if I'm talking to them, is to talk about their ideas. And if I don't agree with them, pin holes in them and and pick them <laughs> apart and try to flip the ideas on the person, right? right? We don't do that anymore. Everybody's just in their own corners talking about stuff. And that that's the part. It's just people who agree with each other talking to each other, that's and ex- I don't know if that's a good thing at all.
2: That's exactly right. There's two sides to what you just said. <laughs> As we
0: agree with each other. No, right? I, exactly.
2: Well, <laughs> I'm gonna slightly disagree a little bit. The idea, what you said of having someone conservative come on and actually talk to them, and I I understand that, but I also understand that someone who truly has really virulent ideas coming on your podcast, that it could be seen as uh, legitimacy for that person. True. Like so uh, if you have term. Alex
0: Jones on your podcast. Exactly.
2: You don't, I don't think that that's a good idea unless you, know, you do what you want to do, but I wouldn't have him on a podcast. I would not either. That he's worthy of talking to, and he's really not worthy of talking to. Uh, but I do think, and I think maybe it's probably the, the internet, right? Um, we sound so old with our, well, the internet in can beards.
0: the internet mobilizes like it's Clint Eastwood and the Unforgiven
2: getting a posse. <laughs> and they're all like,
0: go get them. And then they all gather together.
2: That's the thing, you know, the initial promise of the internet. I remember when I was in college studying computer science in the late 90s, my professor, Dr. John Stone, who was this sort of philosopher, computer scientist, just a really smart, great guy was so optimistic about the internet. And he had this quote up that was something like, the rise of the internet is the promise of the return of voice. Basically, he meant true democracy. Everybody's going to be able to contribute and everybody's ideas will be considered. And you'll be able to talk to people who disagree with you, people that you would not have had access to without the internet. That was the promise, but what's happened is the opposite, which is what you're saying, which is people who agree with each other talk to each other and just yell at the people who disagree with them. And there's no real discourse. I mean, I really can't really go on Twitter. Like I use it to promote, but I used to be on Twitter and I would talk to people, but you really cannot do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I wonder as we head into this next decade, because I remember when I was growing up reading about somebody like Lenny Bruce, yeah. And Lenny Bruce was operating you know, he was taking how uptight everybody was and flipping it against them. And George Carlin was doing it too, and all these comedians who eventually became these reverential figures, Richard Pryor, right. And part of the reason they they became so revered was because they were pushing the envelope with stuff like that. And I wonder now who's going to who's the generation that's going to push the envelope and be like, actually we've swung too far the other way. We're too uptight and I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to make fun of you for being too uptight about this, 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 or this. Who's going to do that?
2: It's interesting because I think what those guys had was obviously they were pushing the envelope, but they had a point of view about it. They had a philosophy about it. There was reasoning behind it. I feel like now, at least online, it's, um, edgelord is the term, right? People just try and make the most shocking joke you can, uh, you know, jokes about Jewish people, black people, whatever, um, that don't really have a point of view beyond shock. Yeah, but shock was, and be mean. Yeah, shock and be mean. And so it's not really the same as Lenny Bruce or George Garland because those guys had something to say, uh Richard Pryor too.
0: But that's my question is, could could we have the next generation of
2: those guys? Well it's become And what
0: would that even look like?
2: It's tough because people are dismissed and you know so. Quickly for certain things, that then it can be hard to fight against that sort of tide that comes after. You yeah, know? there's no room for error at all anymore. Yeah, and I really hope it's going its just overcorrecting, and it'll fix itself at some I mean, point. I feel like it's not. I mean,
0: going- I, I actually—I I hate to sound bleak, but I really, I really worry about comedy because comedy was supposed to be the one thing we had that no matter what else was going on in life. We had this. Yeah. And these guys were off limits. So this goes back to the fucking court jester a million years ago. Yeah. And comedy was always like a safe haven. And yeah. I wonder if that's just going to continue to lose its impact.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I haven't been doing stand-up really for the last couple of years. And part of it is I talk to my friends and I'm like, what are people talking about? And they're like, most people are talking about Trump. And yeah. The audience is sick of it. They don't yeah. want to hear it anymore
0: he's orange right oh great okay yeah i've heard that one
2: i mean that's the thing it's really hard because the stuff that's happening in the world is so big and specific that and depressing and depressing that if you don't talk about it it feels like you're ignoring it and if you talk about it well then you're talking about what everyone's talking about and people go to the clubs to not want to hear that shit anymore so it's a it's a difficult it is a very difficult time for comedy uh so, so that's what, it's been hard for me to figure out what I would want to talk about on stage.
0: Well, I think you should just go have a meeting with Netflix. And they'd be like, hey, can we help you figure this out with $20 million? <laughs> I would
2: love to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. I'm happy idea. to go figure it out. I'll call Ted Sarandon. Netflix
0: is throwing throw money out.
2: <laughs> Netflix has really skewed the, the stand-up like market by- Skewed? By they over, blew it up. They blew it up by, oh, I don't want to say overpay because- you know what? If you can get that money, get it's that beautiful. money. A lot of them are my friends. That's awesome. But what's happened is that nobody else can afford Comedy Central can't afford to pay that, you know? I mean, people right. are making like millions of dollars and I'm not talking about just Dave Chappelle and stuff. I mean, oh, like yeah. people who are very funny but no one near Dave Chappelle are making great money.
0: Well, it's also globalized them.
2: Yes. And now they can go to you know 50 countries well look at someone like Ali Wong right who was a friend of mine and a very funny comedian but she was just doing local shows she had her Netflix show come out a special come out and it just like made her overnight someone people knew and then she did another special and then that did even more and then she did a movie that she wrote that she stars in and that did even more so so it's interesting the streaming was that the one uh, you're my maybe or whatever always be my maybe yeah Uh,
0: need to say my 14 year old daughter loved that movie oh that's great Yeah, she likes all the Netflix rom-coms. There's a lot of Netflix rom-coms. Oh yeah, yeah. They've, they've really like decided to go all in on that. It was a great idea. Yeah, because they stopped making them.
2: They did, you know, stop and and
0: because nobody was they we had this 15 20 year run of them, and then people stopped going to see them in the movie theater. But then every time they're on cable or in blockbuster or wherever, everyone would eventually see them. Right. So I think Netflix just looked at it and goes, "Ah, we'll just make them." Yeah, they're cheap come right to here. make. Yeah. Did the Big Sick have a Netflix run?
2: No, it's Amazon. So they're like competitors. So it's on uh, Amazon. So it's on Amazon now, oh. which is great because they were great to us. But if it was on Netflix, that would be... Amazon it. forever? Amazon forever. Until oh. Amazon's around. Is Amazon going to die? I, I don't think so. Not
0: only is Amazon not
2: going to die, I think... <laughs> They're just
0: going to eventually, they'll figure out this content thing like they figured out groceries. You have to. Yeah, or music and all the other stuff they've done. And at some point, they're just going to be like, hey, let's just take content from everybody.
2: It is interesting because, you know, I would say that like content, you know, there's like a creative aspect to it. It doesn't really apply. But Netflix did it. Netflix figured it out. Netflix took sort of a Silicon Valley approach to, to entertainment. And it has worked for them. And it's for them, it's volume, right they like make a lot of stuff, five percent hits, but that's still a huge i I had a meeting at Netflix a couple of years ago for something, and in that year, they were making eighty movies, eight zero movies yeah no studio ever in the history has made eighty movies a yeah, year. it's crazy, yeah,
0: and they you said volume is one thing, the other thing I think is intelligence like they they study the behavior of who watches what, and they've mastered this algorithm now that now they're making all the stuff the algorithm has told them, people like this.
2: Dude, they know how we think. There was a show, I believe it's David, I think it's David Fincher, it's an animated show called Love, Sex, and Robots or something like that. Have you seen it? Love. I haven't.
0: I know what it is though.
2: So, yeah. So it's sort of like an old school heavy, you know, remember Heavy Metal, that animated thing? Yeah. It's sort of like that. So there's like 12 episodes, but depending on who you are, the order of the episodes is different. Oh wow. So there was a guy, he was like, Netflix clearly figured out I was gay. And so this is the order I have. And then my order is different from someone else's order. So there's like a bunch of different orders based on, I mean, they know everything about you, you know? It's funny. I have an account. So I have
0: it's it's labeled, right? It's like dad. Uh-huh. That's mine. My wife's name. My daughter's name and then my son's name, which you've met, who we, it says dickhead, which I think, and he can't figure out how to change it. <laughs> so so dickheads, is to- it's got like, you know, big mouth and all the stuff that he's not supposed to watch that he's watching. And then my daughter, you go on her main screen and it's like all rom-coms, rom-coms yeah. and- and uh, Kate and Alexa and Kate, whatever that show is, all those types of shows. Mine is like all action and horror. Uh huh. Oh, you fucking, like horror? Oh yeah, I've seen every horror movie ever.
2: That's my favorite genre. Yeah,
0: I'm out of horror movies. I actually. Yeah, me too. I actually want to get amnesia and then come back three years from now and have like three years of new horror movies Dude, to watch.
2: My wife and I'm I I'm so I... tired of. I, I there's nothing left. Do you have Shudder? You know what that is? Do of I course. have Shudder? Yeah. We've done, okay. All right. They've
0: sponsored the pod too. They, okay. Yeah, we have. I'm on all of them. We're always looking. What have if you something's seen? wrong with the house? I'm in. Wh- uh, wh- <laughs> if you buy you bought <laughs> you bought a new house and it's like, it seems great. Wait. Yeah.
2: And the guy's like, just don't go up in the attic. Yeah. Some
0: weird shit went on there. I'm like, I'm in.
2: I'm in. That's all yeah. I need. I will watch the whole damn thing. Uh what, what have you seen anything recently that you liked? <sighs> no. It's hard. No. For a genre we
0: love. We're, to- in, a, we're in actually in a little bit of a slump right now, but I think it's gonna come out of it with the the new Conjuring movie is what January 20, June twenty six. We're taping this in June, but yeah. that one that one's coming. And I think the new Annabelle, Annabelle. Yeah, yeah. that one will be good. And then the, apparently there's a couple later this summer. Yeah, but they know like they, there's Child's people...
2: Play. Child's Play is coming out soon.
0: Yeah, I'll see Child's Play. Yeah, I like the Halloween remake. Yeah, me too. I think the Conjuring, the two Conjuring's, I, I think I've been the happiest with.
2: I feel like those movies are weirdly underrated and I know they're huge hits but yeah. I, people don't see them as like sort of horror
0: like how they should be nominated for an Oscar potentially. <laughs> we we've talked about that on cuz we talk about movies a lot here and it's if you look at the 2013 movies that, I think it's 2013. Yeah. It's like it's one of the five best movies of that year, but you would never, it would never get nominated. Well, he's
2: a great director and you, a director of that caliber with actors of that caliber. Was it Conjuring 2? There's a scene where, uh, I think it's Pat, Patrick Wilson's in the foreground and in the background, you see that person like change into a demon, but they're out of focus. And yeah, they have a conversation. yeah, yeah, I was like, any movie that has that scene is worth spending money on. Like,
0: So what are I, your, what are your all timers?
2: Oh man, it's tough. It changes, you know. It's hard to get away from The Shining. Of course, I would say The Descent is one of my
0: descent. So I had not seen The Descent until last year. What'd you think? I, ju- I just missed it, and a couple of people at the ringer were like, "Yeah, I see The Descent."
2: Yeah, I thought it was incredible. Isn't it amazing?
0: It's definitely, yeah. it's a Hall of Famer. It's not Mount Rushmore for me, but it's a Hall of Famer. So
2: that's up there for me. Um, I love the original Texas Chainsaw. You know, that's great a, ending. Great ending. Yeah. And the first time he shows up with the door is awesome. I like
0: when he does like the whirl with the chainsaw at the end. It's it not enough no, he's running at it. It's like the 360. It's,
2: such it's like a, Vince yeah. Carter. <laughs> <laughs> still in the league. Still in the league. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Well, what are your top ones? So
0: Mount Rushmore for me would probably be, I mean, probably older just because I've seen them the most, but Halloween, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Shining.
0: um, It's weird. The Shining has actually gained steam for me. And I, I saw that movie in the theater when I was 10 and I was freaked the fuck out and probably saw it way too early. Right. 10 or, I was 10
2: or 11. Well, there's
0: a sequel to that coming out too. The Shining?
2: Yeah. Man, that's sacred ground I know, though. it feels weird. They recreated scenes from it. They reshot part of it. Anyway.
0: Halloween, right. Shining. Um, I would probably say the first Conjuring. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one just would depend on what mood I was in. because I, like, I love the original Amityville Horror Really? Oh yeah. Oh man. Wow. I love I love the dad just starting to fucking slowly lose it. He's staring in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love all that stuff. I think the first scream is actually like really great. It's so good. The first and scream it revived great. the whole genre and the whole thing. Um First Saw was really good. Yeah. It whatever it is, but yeah, I mean um I actually made a list. You could come up with a couple more. I'll read you a couple more on my list. Okay. Okay. Uh,
2: have you seen, um, have you seen like, okay, so here, this is a fucked up one. It's not on my Mount Rushmore, but okay. it's like a really, I, really messed up one.
0: I guarantee I've seen it. Martyrs? Did you see Martyrs? Martyrs? What's that? It's a French movie. Uh, they so read- once we <clears throat> leave America, that you don't I'm get a little into spottier. It? No, I'm spottier. <laughs> I've seen a lot.
2: Martyrs is probably the most fucked up uh, movie I've ever seen. And it's a French horror movie. Home Invasion? No. So the movie starts where most movies end. So it's basically this girl gets kidnapped. She's like 13, is tortured forever. And the movie starts with her escaping. Oh. So then the whole time, the structure of it's so weird that you kind of never know what's coming. And it's basically she's 13 and then she kind of grows up and goes back to that house where she was taken. And the stuff that happens, you just, it's its just. Martyrs. Martyrs. But, yeah, but I kind of recommend it because it really is, it's a, it's a fucking mess. It's really, really well-made. It's not just like gore piled on gore. It's like a well-made film. Like it's sort of designed to really unsettle you all the way through. Here's, a, I have, so yes, I made a list. Ahead. Yeah.
0: Halloween 1. Yeah. Sounds of the Lambs 2. Sounds of the Lambs. I
2: can't believe I forgot that yeah, one. Yeah, I know, me neither. That's on my top so, five. Uh, pa, sure. Sorry to Hannibal. For
0: sure. The Shining 3, Scream four, Seven five, Get Out 6, Exorcist 7, Drag Me I to Hell 8.
2: Great. Drag Me to Hell I is I fucking love Drag you know Me what? to Hell. You know what? What movie I just thought of recently that I loved was Demon Knight. Do you remember? Uh, Tales from the Crypt presents Oh, yeah, 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 I of thought course. that was awesome. Not, you know, top 10 or top 20, but really, really awesome.
0: Conjuring 9, Amityville Horror 10. That's wow, my top 10. That's a good list. Most underrated Silent Rage. Silent, Silent Rage? Silent Rage with Chuck Norris. I don't, that's a horror movie? Yeah, 1982. It was a Halloween ripoff. He's a sheriff in Texas. The movie starts this guy, he just has like a mental breakdown and starts killing everyone in his family with an axe. Chuck Norris kills him. So they take the body to the uh-huh,
2: hospital, uh-huh. and the
0: two scientists are like, hey, we should try that potion we. Did. <laughs> To revive people that's
2: never a good idea with yeah. a killer yeah, with the, the <laughs> guy was a killer. Po-
0: let's try it with this guy no, <laughs> his family won't care that's the worst guy to try it with yeah so they put the medicine in and, all, and he becomes a, he wakes up and becomes the serial killer again but now he can't die she's like now super he can't human. die does
2: he look human or is he all he's human up with- he's
0: fine yeah but he's like people are killing him he's just getting up yeah. so then chuck norris finally has to take him down again okay it's fucking great. It's so good. I can't believe they haven't remade it. It's my number one. I can't believe they haven't it's remade like this. It's a martial movie. arts
2: horror. Movie? The guy
0: won't die. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It, I did a podcast with Ron Silver in like 2000. Not a podcast. Uh, an interview with Ron Silver. I was. I was. The assignment to read about the movie Ali. Remember? Of course. So he was the trainer, and he had like 10 minutes with each person. All right, Right. Right. So I'm doing this junket, and then Ron Silver's there, and uh, I'm like, I'm a huge Silent Rage fan. He's like, the guy who wouldn't die. Like, you gotta be excited. It's like nobody had mentioned it to him in 20 years. So. I mean, so how does it end then? I'm not gonna tell you. You gotta okay. watch it. Okay. It's on Amazon, your favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we want. I'm in for any home invasion movie, Did where especially s- like if it's like a resort or like a like a. Re- a uh, not resort what's the word the uh, remote location like us yeah like a, yeah. a cabin
2: yeah
0: I like cabins where it's yeah. like oh it's so peaceful out here I'm just gonna write a couple chapters of my book and then, right. and then it's you like a knock on the door
2: yeah if you survive this your book's gonna be way more interesting
0: and I like I like a house where something's in
2: the attic and they find it and it's like what's this uh huh what's that one what's the Ethan hawk? is there an Ethan Hawk? Ethan Hawk, hawk one? one
0: yeah That's they find like- the they
2: find the thing in the desert it's cool
0: yeah, I they like find like one. a what is it like a little little statue skeleton thing? Yeah, what is? And it? the kid's like, I'm not going to tell my parents. I'm just going to bring this with me Never to our house. Never gonna it. Always tell, tell your, your parents. parents Always tell your parents. You find
2: something creepy. Tell oh, your oh, it parents.
0: follows was really good. That was it a follows is one. great. That was a, that yeah. was a classic.
2: I really like the new it too. Oh yeah, super fun, really funny. It too. And so haters in it too is they're like I all know. grown up. I know, I know, very jealous.
0: Let's talk about Luminary, the new podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited because you can listen to the Rewatchables 1999 there. We are in a hiatus right now. We did 10. Got some more coming in the fall, but right now we have our new podcast, Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 1999. It's a podcast you will not want to miss if you like music, if you like nostalgia, if you like finding out how 19 different things can go wrong with a music festival. Check it out. Luminary gives you access to a bunch of other original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else, like Hannibal Burris's Handsome Rambler, or Wisdom from the Top with Guy Ross. The Luminary app, free to download. And in addition to the can't-miss originals, you can use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including this one. Yeah, right here, the BS Podcast. Check out Woodstock 99 and so much more only on Luminary. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free. When you sign up at Luminary.link/simmons, after that it's only seven ninety nine per month. Luminary.link/simmons, two months free access. Luminary.link/simmons, cancel anytime. Terms do apply. I wanted to ask you about the big sick, yeah, which I know you've talked about ad nauseum, but now it's two years. It was two no, years I'm ready ago. To talk about it. No, just like you threw yourself in this movie. You wrote it with with your wife, yeah, and. It was super personal. It was the kind of movie when it gets made, it's cool. You do your round of interviews, like it makes like five million bucks, and then like has a life on video or Netflix or whatever. And it's like, oh, that was adorable. That movie actually succeeded. Yeah, it made money. Yeah, it. it was there a point during that whole run where you're like, holy shit, people are seeing this?
2: Yeah. Uh- No, even still. I mean, we got nominated for a fucking Oscar for for writing it. Um, No, I don't. I I can't. I mean, my problem is I don't really ever enjoy any success. It's always like the next thing. I remember when I first did Letterman, as soon as I got done, I was like, all right, how do I get to do this again? (laughs) So there was no like right enjoyment of it you know it's there's never really a time to be like okay now it's so So it was a platform release so it opened in five theaters then like 20 so we were trying to get it up as much as we could and we got it over a thousand eventually which was amazing or or maybe over two thousand like we went pretty wide but those five weeks you're like going town to town for pushing the movie right you're almost like yeah you're like uh, a
0: politician like Stumping really? and trying to get like yeah, recognition. Yeah, I'm stumping,
2: trying to get people to you know more more theaters to open it. So that whole time there's like a goal, right? You're not like I've done it, and then when it finally starts like stop making money, you're like, oh, I guess the run is done. I was hoping for a little more, but but this is fine. And then you start doing the. What people don't know is that you know when you are campaigning for an Oscar, it's yeah. it's so much work. It's it's not a pure process in the sense that this is a great movie, now it gets nominated. Like you said, The Conjuring, right? They probably didn't do a campaign. Get Out did a campaign. Right. And Get Out got nominated a ton, and it deserved it. Get Out was, you know, an Class. awesome movie. It's All-time-er. on your list. Yeah, one of the all-timers, for sure. Um, and so then you're sort of pushing for that. So it's all, And then you get nominated, and you're like, and that, we, I did enjoy the day we got nominated. That was a good day. And then you're like, all right, now to keep going and see if we can win, even though we knew we weren't gonna win. And Jordan Peele won, and he deserved to win. It was awesome, but there's never really a moment to sit back and enjoy it. Now I can look back and be like, I mean, it changed my life. It changed my career. It was, it was um, great. We're
0: wired the same way. I, I never enjoy anything.
2: I could, I would have guessed that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if you do, it's 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 actually probably
2: dangerous. What do you mean? Like you become? No, if you're like, all
0: right, that was cool. We did it.
2: No, it's not a good. Absolutely not. I when you said that, like, my, it felt so alien to me. Never. So like this movie, you know, Amazon bought it, right? Amazon bought it and distributed it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's
0: like one of the better streaming... It was like one of the first streaming success stories, I feel like. Now it's a little more common. Yeah,
2: I think the year before us was Manchester by the Sea, and that yeah. did really well for them. And then, and then we did really well. And then it's getting harder and harder to get people to go to the theater to see movies. You know, they'll right. go for Avengers. They'll go for,
0: you know... You're dealing with this now, this Batista thing. We're having this yeah. terrible summer, and you have a movie coming out. And like, these movies are bombing left and right. Everything's
2: bombing. I mean, I was in a movie, The Bum, last weekend. Oh, The Men in Black? Yeah. I thought you
0: were just a voice. Were you actually in
2: it? No, I'm a voice. I'm an alien. But I'm in a bunch of the movie. And it just... People just didn't go see it. You know?
0: It's it's tough to redo that one. I mean, by the time people hear this, it'll be some distance from it, but... Um, it's tough to redo a franchise like that and not have Will Smith in it.
2: I mean, obviously, <laughs> It's <just> like, <laughs> I can't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I think they really, you know, yeah. I mean, with someone like uh, when you think it's like Amanda we're Moore.
0: rebooting the 2012 Heat, yeah. but we don't have LeBron, right? Exactly. It's like
2: okay, yeah. I mean, that's such an iconic role for him yeah it's him, tough you know? to separate it I think that might be when he went like when he became full movie star was Men in Black was that his first like huge crazy movie star performance I don't know his
0: um, his whole decade yeah I remember like Bad Boys
2: Bad Boys I it was the, like yeah. holy Bad
0: Boys is coming holy shit yeah him and Martin
2: Lawrence I mean he's so good I, I want him to go back to making to make like another just Aladdin I thought was great People gr- seem to like it. He was great in Aladdin. Yeah, the he-
0: movie you did with Batista, though. <laughs> yes. I still feel like people will go see a good action movie.
2: I hope so. It's a movie called Stuber. comes out July 12th. And I really, really love this movie. Um, I really, really do. And, you know, sometimes you do stuff that doesn't turn out well. Uh, certainly dealt with that a whole bunch. But this one is fucking great. I love this movie. And Batista's great in it. It's funny. So in best the- case scenario, it
0: does well. The other scenario is it doesn't do that well, but then people will eventually find it.
2: I hope so. I mean, you know, I want to say like the, the the satisfaction is in making a good movie. Everything else you can't control. But, yeah. But the reality of it is if this movie doesn't do well, it does hurt my career. It hurt, hurts my opportunities. It hurts what I can do next. If it does well, you know, it's fucking great. Then I could go buy an island. Um, so, so, so we're really- I think you
0: get the Doseckis thing either way, though.
2: No matter how it plays out. <laughs> I want to go beyond Doseckis. No offense <laughs> to the Doseckis guy. That's not like the career like high point I'm aiming for. Um, what kind of what kind of opportunities did you have after the big sick? Uh, a lot. So basically, what happened? Were you is, careful? Yes. Stuber was what I picked, and I didn't do anything for a long time because you. What happens is when there's like a new person who's seen as like a new comedy person, right? New like, face. New face in comedy, like it happened to Tiffany around the same time. Um, all these studios will dust off scripts that they've been sitting on for decades, and yeah. they'll send them to you. Yeah, and you'll see, like, oh, at one point Jim Carrey was going to be this. At one point, Will Ferrell was going to be, you know. So you get all these scripts that are, to be honest, not good enough to get made. <clears throat> and it is, it's seductive, you know. You're like. I, you have to work so hard to get even small parts in movies. And now people want me to be the lead of these, like, big studio movies. But I didn't like any of them. Yeah. Um, and and I was so, like, nervous after The Big Sick. Like, where do you go? Like, a movie that my wife and I wrote that's so personal to us, did so well. Where, where do you go after that? So I had a little bit of paralysis for a little while. And I kind of didn't pick anything for a year. And then I read Stuber and I really liked it. And I loved Dave Batista. Um, And the director was great. He did a movie called Goon, which I'm sure you know. By the way, I never offered you water. I've got water.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Sorry. Um, And so… Goon was good. I like Goon. Goon's really good. What's the director's name? Michael Dowse. Yeah, that was good. And so I picked Stuber because I was like, okay, that's so different from The Big Stick that it cannot be compared to it, you know? Um, so I'll just do this. And it had some stuff in it that I was like, if we can push this aspect of it, then it will really become something that'll be different from anything. So it's a great action comedy, but it has some stuff in it that you wouldn't really expect in an action comedy like this.
0: I liked him in a... Blade Runner. No, Heist. Is that what it's called?
2: I don't know what that is. De Niro?
0: I don't... He's in that. What's Heist? It was... They do a heist, and he's one do of they? the bad guys in it. Yeah, it's, do it's do a a literally, you're heist? not going to believe this, but there's a heist, <laughs> and uh, it's like a double cross heist movie, and he's one of the guys in it. And that was the first time I'd seen him in a movie. I was like, I know this guy. This hat. That guy looks like Batista. And then you know, you do the you hop on your phone, you do IMDb it as you're. Are watching you a wrestling it. guy? Um, Have you been? Oh for a yeah, long big time? wrestling guy.
2: Yeah, really.
0: Um, I was like, <clears throat> I was like, oh my god, that. that
2: he, that is Batista. He's great in this movie, man. He's so good and he's just so soulful. I don't know how else to describe it. Have you met him ever?
0: I've never met him, but I became fascinated by him like a year ago. Somebody wrote a big feature about him. I don't Where? know if you read it. It was I'm sure I did. It was like a new it was newspaper magazine. It was an online something but it was just a big feature about him trying to cross over into acting and he was like way more thoughtful than i expected i was like what's going on here yeah i
2: just knew him as like the meathead wrestling star guy i mean he looks so specific it's going to be hard for him to get the types of roles that i think he truly deserves you know like i'm always for more action stars i love action movies dude he's so i mean he looks he looks like a million bucks He's huge, and he's just so good in this movie. I'm so happy to just be – I I said, like, I was like, even if this movie tanks, you know, the reviews are bad. I'm just – it'll be worth it just to have met Batista. Well, you'll have me and Ben Simmons because Ben I, Simmons loves you now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he, was he was so mad that I didn't tell him when he was sitting next to you that you're a famous person.
2: Oh. He and was, I was like, I didn't realize. But what, what do you know me from? Nothing, right? He's not watched The Big Sick or anything.
0: Now he wouldn't know you. I no. was gonna say, if, did, did he see Silicon Valley? But I don't think he's watched that. That's, if, he, if he did a voice on Big Mouth, he would have been really super mm, impressed. I love that work show. on that one. That's, I you should. could be like a new hormone monster. I'm friends
2: with Kroll. Why would he yeah. not put me on? tell
0: him you want to just be hormone something for one just episode? Just put me
2: in for one episode.
0: My son, they did like the birds and the bees talk at a school at the end of fifth grade. It uh-huh. was like the first one, and I'm like, uh, I was like, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to <laughs> talk about this before you have? It? He's like, Dad. I know everything. I've seen every episode of Big Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but he was dead serious. Well, That's yeah. how he found out about puberty from Nick Kroll. Have you seen is that? that a good thing? No. Is it good that Nick Kroll is shaping the puberty of an I entire say, generation?
2: It is better that it's through a TV show <laughs> and not like Nick Kroll sitting your son down to be like. <laughs> <laughs> "You did Rolling like his own cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was rolling his own cigarettes yeah, for yeah. a while. Yeah, he, he'll do it every once in a while. Um, do you have you have you seen Big Mouth?
0: I have. It, more to, we didn't know that he was watching it until he had watched a season and a half.
2: I mean, it's a filthy show.
0: It's really filthy. Mm-hmm. He was watching South Park before we realized he was watching it, and we didn't stop that in time either. So,
2: but he seems very smart and like a that's, normal good kid.
0: My thing is, I want my kids to have a sense of humor. Yeah, and if they have to watch this stuff three years before they would have watched it, it's that's fine. probably okay. I mean.
2: The shit I watched when I was a kid. That's how I felt it. I watched everything. I mean, other than like porn, which Mm. I didn't get to watch until I was probably... I mean, even that was too early. There was
0: just scrambled porn back then.
2: Yeah, you just flip channels back and forth. You see like a green nipple. A a nipple
0: for three seconds. Yeah, like a
2: square nipple. (laughs) You're like, pretty sure that's a nipple. Yeah. The first boobs I saw was in Total Recall. Remember the girl with three boobs? The The three boob lady. That was the first boobs I ever saw.
0: I've actually been in conversations with people where... We argued about whether it was okay to be attracted to her, and my my angle was yes, yes. she's attractive. I mean, of course. So. Yeah, the three boob lady was iconic.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, iconic I remember. Eighties, babe. Yeah, I remember being so confused, being like, "Oh my god!" Couple questions. <laughs> Some things need clarifying. It was, cra- it was uh, crazy
0: on Mars back then. A <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: lot of radiation. So you uh, have you have this movie. Oh, so, baby, you make me wish I had three hands. That's what he says.
0: Oh, that's right! I forgot about that's that. What he says, yeah. Yeah, this movie. What else do you have?"
2: So Stuber. Um, then I got. Uh, we start. Uh, we start Silicon Valley. The last season next next week we start shooting. Uh, and emotional. Was, yeah, of course. Really, it is emotional. It's you know, uh, very special job and situation. Never gonna have anything like that ever again. Uh, it was great. It's great to be on a show that you would actually watch, even if you weren't on it, you know?
0: Well, also the, the, every rich guy you ever meet for the rest of your life will, oh my God. I mean, all of them watch that show. Yeah. They're watching it like the same way doctors would watch ER and criticize the,
2: right. oh, you'd never do a surgery that Uh, way. Exactly. A lot of them are terrible people. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We've met a lot of these big tech (laughs) people. Who could have guessed? And they, uh, well, here's the thing right now, everyone's upset at Silicon Valley tech industry. Yeah. And they're like, they're douchebags. I'm like, we've known for six years. Yeah. When we first did the pilot and we went to Silicon Valley to meet these people, we were like, oh, these people fucking suck. And now you're seeing how much they suck. Like all the, the Facebook stuff and all that. Well, the
0: thing we- is, if you watch Silicon Valley, it's not like the, the characters who had a ton of money were these awesome people. No, no. I mean, pretty much from the get-go. Right. Mike Judge was trying to
2: make a point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, these are not great people.
2: No, they're assholes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, somehow, in some ways, very smart. Like, like Jack Dorsey, the Twitter guy who says he eats, like, one meal a day and on weekends doesn't eat at all. Yeah. I don't buy that. How could you live (laughs) like that? I had him
0: on a pod, like, four months ago. I didn't ask him about that, and I should have. What was he like? (sighs) It was actually a really good pod, right? Yeah, it was really skinny, though. I might buy it. He's, re- he's really skinny. I got to say, he is skinny. But we we really went... It was weird talking to him about the whole abuse thing. And it's weird when somebody... Well, you
2: asked him about that stuff. Oh, we too. talked
0: about it a lot. Because I was I was like, how have you not fixed this yet? And he's doing the thing... Yeah, I mean, he was really nice. Sure. But he was doing the whole thing like, yeah, it's something we got to fix. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you're the guy. And, you're, you're the, and, you're, why are you here? Go I'm, fix it. I'm literally asking him. Like, Eat a fucking hamburger <laughs> and fix this. I'm like, you're the guy who could fix this. It's your thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I, mean, it was just so weird. That, I really think his brain would work better if he wasn't, if he was eating on the weekends. <laughs> if he have some chips. Yeah, man. Have you had a French <laughs> fry recently? They're so good. I've given you some it ideas. Was,
0: it was like talking to the head of a fire department as a building's burning. He's like, and yes. like, Yeah, that building's burning. It's like, Yeah, we, we got to do something. Yeah. And he's just kind of standing there looking at the burning building. And well, that, it was bizarre.
2: Well, the main thing that I've noticed, at least in my opinion, is that a lot of these tech people see themselves as, see their technology as amoral. They don't think of it as, whether it can be used for good or evil, they're just making technology, and however people use it is how they use it, and it has nothing to yeah, do. They're
0: sending it out into the world,
2: right? I remember I did a conference uh, a couple of years ago, where I was supposed to judge like these uh, apps that people had made. You know, it was a big corporation. And their employees on the side would make these apps and they would have a big like contest in front of like 6,000 people. And I was one of the judges and they show like the 10 apps and what they can do. And one of them was, this guy was like, look at this, it's a picture of Obama or whatever. And I have uh, 20 minutes of dialogue of him. So now give me a sentence. And you give him a sentence and it's a video of Obama saying these things. And people are clapping. I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. This is very, very scary. How can you not think of the obvious Ethical implications of this, and now this is this
0: is going to be next decade. It's going to be the deep fake era where the, you can basically make a porn video with any actress and dude, it'll look like it's the I actress. You can people, fake anybody's speech.
2: Yeah, you can I, do anything. It's. I remember when the first deep fake thing was going around. People were like, "It's great. It's like you can watch Jennifer Lawrence have sex." I'm like, "This is. It's going to yeah. be
0: horrible." Can somebody ask Jennifer Lawrence if this is great? <laughs> yeah, how does she? I feel? promise she doesn't think this is
2: great. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's. Impersonation and all that shit is going to be one of the dominant. I, I worry about the DNA. DNA. Like these I have all these relatives who're like, I got my DNA test. I found out I'm sixty percent Irish and forty. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all right, but now they have your DNA. Right, we everything gets uh, leaked left and right, and uh, we've all of our information goes everywhere. It's like, why do I want my DNA out there with it, some
2: random fucking site? Everything goes everywhere, and I honestly don't know how we go back. Like, I think, nah, I think, we're screwed. Privacy is such an important part of a society, and if you look at societies where privacy has been like compromised at its core. I know people are like, don't use the Nazi example. But that's how the Nazi society was like. You know, people were reporting on their friends. Like there was no privacy. It's the same with like, a, um, you know, later. Did you see this movie, The Lives of Others? Yeah. Oh, God, I love that movie. Side Sidetrack.
0: Um, well, my question is, will privacy, are we just heading toward a world where their privacy is like kind of irrelevant? You know, well, like people are so deconditioned now to... Celebrity nudity, like when Pamela Anderson made the sex tape in 1996, I felt like that was like one of the five biggest moments of that year.
2: That's it's like the, she's in a sex tape. What? Yeah. Now it's like. Yeah.
0: Anybody could be in a sex tape; it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah.
2: Fucking Screech was in a sex tape. <laughs> Screech was.
0: The Obamas could be in a fucking sex tape, and it would be have be like a two day story, and it would go away.
2: I mean, maybe the problem is that each thing that happens gets disseminated so much that that then becomes the floor. Yeah. So then the next time that happens, it's nothing. So now you. The next thing has to be, like, escalated a little bit. And then that becomes normal. It's and like that's wrestling.
0: It's In like- wrestling, the moves became crazier and crazier. And all of a sudden, you have dudes jumping off 40-foot ladders and practically breaking their neck.
2: Which is what we saw yeah. at-, at WrestleMania. Because at some
0: point, you desensitize the audience where… Yeah. They need to, they already saw that. You got to go one, right. it's one like, crazy step Life higher. is like a
2: John Wick movie or yeah. a Fast and the Furious movie. Seriously. just like, now they're dragging a safe around.
0: John Wick, he wrote, I love John Wick 3. Mm. He's riding a fucking horse through Manhattan. Like, yeah. what, what? And
2: that's like 40% of the way into the movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where do you go from there? It was
0: great. Yeah, I don't Yeah, it was great. I don't know where things are going. How many seasons should Silicon Valley have been?
2: I think six is the right. Do you point.
0: think it's the right number?
2: I think so. I mean, part of it is that our deals were for six seasons, right? So if we did a seventh one, I mean, we would make great money. Oh, uh, so I think. But part- you already have the Netflix special. Yeah, give you. <laughs> right. You're t- I got the two yeah. episode I comedy just special. To Ted and now Ted's
0: already. He's he has his algorithm. Told him that yeah that we were talking about. We were this. talking
2: about it. Wow. Well, I mean the algorithm stuff is crazy because did you have you read these articles that came out recently about how YouTube algorithms have sort of oh uh, yeah, that's crazy because that's really so much more like Terminator or something than you know we made an AI and now the AI is making us. Um,
0: I've noticed because my son he has U, he has the YouTube where it skips the commercials.
2: Oh, so it's YouTube. You pay like six nine a month. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I use his YouTube when I go on YouTube. So I don't have to watch the commercials. And I go on there and it's suggesting like basically wrestling videos and pranks.
2: Great. If he can stay in that zone. He's but if fine. he was,
0: but it's also like if he was doing other stuff, I would know pretty much immediately because then the algorithm would be like, right. your son's looking at like girls on trampolines or whatever.
2: Right. I would know immediately. I would say even that is the, in the okay. Yeah, a, yeah, true. Once he goes to like climate denial, whatever, you know, that stuff. Yeah. Why is like- my
0: son on the Alex Jones Sandy <laughs> Hook videos? What's happening? He's commented on every InfoWars video <laughs> in the Jesus. last three years. <laughs> We've got to stop this guy. Uh, yeah, it is creepy. So yeah. so with Silicon Valley, did you feel like the T.J. Miller stuff overshadowed the middle part of the run at all? Because it became like the dominant story with the show for like a
2: year. Did it? I felt um, like it. You know, I was working so hard to <clears throat> avoid it, to ignore yeah. it, because it was such a part of our lives for so long um, that um, I hope not. I hope the show is remembered beyond that but i do oh, know oh i think
0: it will absolutely remember beyond that did, it
2: just like it did seem like it derailed the the press for it for about a year i mean he did three interviews in a row that were like him ripping on the show yeah, and alex Berg. and i remember I remember when Alec Berg is our showrunner and Yeah, he still is, has been from the beginning. Now he's with Bill Hader too Now Barry, he with yeah. Barry, which is a great show. Daddy's got a new family. That, Turns out he's good at stuff, Alec Berg. He's a fucking genius, man. And I remember TJ like ripping on him and as an example being like, I mean, he's, you know, he comes from the Seinfeld world. So what does he know? You mean the greatest, one of the greatest yeah. sitcoms of all time? The most time? iconic
0: sitcom we've ever made? <laughs>
2: yeah. You're using that to diss him? I mean- And he did Curb. <laughs> and right. he did Curb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, you know, Alec is- I haven't met every showrunner, comedy showrunner in Hollywood, but I can't imagine one better than him. Right. He's,
0: You're imagining he's in the upper upper echelon. He's
2: on, the, he's on Mount Rushmore, and I bet other comedy showrunners who have met more people will agree. He's- I mean, the guy doesn't miss uh, do you feel like
0: a show like that is almost like a basketball team when is the show better when everybody is getting along and on the same page or does it not matter? because I, I look at like how Kyrie Irving has affected the Celtics this past year. yeah, my beloved team that is now completely falling apart. what um, oh, is he still there? Well, he's gonna leave he's gonna by leave. the time people hear this, they'll be like, oh, this is so cute.
2: <laughs> oh, he's gonna <laughs> leave right now.
0: I think he's leaving at the end of June, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, He's going to Brooklyn.
2: I think it goes both ways. I think that there has to be some sort of thing. Either there has to be like deep love... Or there has to be maybe deep hate. Because a lot of the great stuff, you hear like, oh, they hated each other. So you can sort of feel that on screen. I think the worst thing is apathy. I've certainly worked on stuff where I'm like, nobody cares about this. Nobody's upset. But nobody's like having a great time either. People are just kind of doing it. I think that's the stuff that has nothing. I would much rather be in an environment that's like loving and everybody. Like our show now. Yeah. So last season and this season, it's like, it's gross how much. Like, we hang out all the time still.
0: Like. It's funny. I remember I wrote a column about A-Rod 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And the thesis, was like, he he was at his all-time most disliked. And he was the steroids thing and he was coming back. Wait, and,
2: he had a steroids thing?
0: Yeah, he a couple times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not of a, a
2: big uh, Oh, yeah, he had guy. a couple
0: ones. But my whole thesis was sometimes it's good to have the one guy at work that and everybody. it drives everybody crazy because it brings everybody else together. Yeah. It's like this common enemy they have. So
2: that's a yeah. that's that's therapy strategy. So my wife was a therapist, and she, when she would do group therapy, she would make herself the bad guy so that yeah. the group could bond together against her. Yeah. And that's what you know, that's what happens is like if there's one who's like the bad apple, once that bad apple leaves, then you gotta be a little careful that you don't become the bad apple because the dynamic is that you know. Groups work better if there's somebody to work against.
0: Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach. Yeah. Has I, been, I do know basketball. Yeah, he's been on this pod a bunch of times. He but seems now, like not a as much great guy. So. He's the best. Yeah. But he always had the two knucklehead theory where you can have <laughs> one knucklehead on your team, but if you have two, they might hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're hanging out... You know, then anything can happen, and then they might <laughs> they might pull the third guy in who doesn't talk well, but that's right. or who doesn't talk that much, but he's with those two
2: guys, and now you have three of them. Right, that's and, uh, what Ray Romano, who was in Big Sick, had twins, and he's like, "That's the problem with twins. It's like if there's one kid who's crazy, that's fine, but once there's two, yeah, that's an exponential. That's like increase. seven
0: crazy kids.
2: And I've been like, um, we have another show coming out for Apple. A- Apple starting a streaming service. Yeah, it's called Little America. I've heard of Apple. Yeah, they you know your phones and yeah all yeah that stuff. yeah
0: I think they make the phone app.
2: But they're getting into the game now. Yeah, it's they're getting the game. game. And so we have a show there called Little America. Who else is involved in Little America? Uh, me, Emily, uh, Alan Yang. Who?
0: That's what. That's how I knew about that. Yeah. Do you know yeah. him? Yeah, I do.
2: Yeah, and uh, Lee Eisenberg is
0: another. I'm on one a basketball text thread with him. Oh, really? I'm on two. I'm mm-hmm. actually on two different text threads with him because one is I'm like. Uh, He's friends with Chang, my my buddy. Right, Chang, right, right. Chang's great, right. um, and all those guys. So I, we have like an Asian sports thread that I think I'm the only non-Asian on. Cool man. But like when Lin, for Lin Sanity in the finals, like oh,
2: we yeah. were like, you know, Lin. San, it was the first. A,
0: Jeremy Lin won an NBA ring. It, yeah, it kind of felt ring. like
2: it should have been a bigger deal. Yeah. So it was like a running thing the whole. time. I did see some pictures going around of him holding the. the it was thing. good.
0: It was a big moment. Yeah. He fight, Lin Sanity finally
2: yeah, hey, maybe I mean, he wasn't
0: playing, but how
2: did he have that run?
0: What do you mean? When he oh, was with the like, Knicks? Yeah, it will never be explained. <laughs> how did that he, happen? He just got really hot for three weeks <laughs> at the perfect time for the perfect team, and it all crested with uh this Lakers game on Friday night against Kobe Bryant on ESPN. And it just felt like the biggest deal ever. And then it was just- ended And he up did what? Well. He
2: like crushed that game?
0: He cried. He had like 40 <laughs>
2: against Kobe. <laughs> I remember when it was happening, people being like, we don't know what's going on. It's not going to last. It, it, people <laughs> weren't like, this guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, like, he is great. When's, the,
0: shoe, when's the other shoe going other Yeah, people drop? kept waiting. What's Little
2: me? America about? So Little America is an anthology show that's based on real life stories of immigrants. So we collected a bunch of real life stories of immigrants to America, And we made like half hour episodes on each one. And they're not really, it's not a political show. So like, for instance, the first episode that me and Emily and Lee Eisenberg wrote together is, it's a true story about this Irani immigrant who lives in Yonkers, doesn't have much money in a tiny apartment. He wants a because he had a mansion in Iran. So he's looking for houses, too expensive, then he finds a piece of land for like $60,000. And he's like, wow, that's so cheap. I'm going to buy it. The problem is there's a massive rock on it. Like a huge rock. And so he buys it. And the episode is just about him trying to figure out how to get this fucking rock off the property. And he goes and he looks up like, the history of it, because people in the past have tried to get rid of this rock, trying to yeah. see what they know, what they've tried. It's almost like it's almost like a horror movie in the sense that, like every ghost movie is kind of like a mystery. You know, you gotta figure out where the ghost is from. You go look at the archives, all that shit. So that's the first episode. So
0: it's all different immigrant stories, and it's like a mosaic of all the stories.
2: Right. It's eight episodes.
0: That's a good um, idea. Yeah, it's really. I'm very- I don't lose focus on the horror movie that you clearly need to make if you love horror movies this much.
2: Uh, we've my Emily and I have actually talked about it and we have a couple premises, but I don't know yet. Oh, how. Netflix is on the phone again. <laughs> <laughs> they have
0: oh my God. a horror movie and a this comedy special. This
2: is great. This is the best part I've ever <laughs> done. Oh my
0: God, you made $50 million.
2: I can't believe this. <laughs> I just still don't know how to do a horror movie. Like, you know, ROM, like most movies, I understand the structure, I understand yeah. what makes them good or bad. Not to so say that I can do it, but I at least understand. With horror, I feel there's like a little bit of magic that I don't understand. Like, um, uh, like something a like secret sauce. Yeah, like get out has like a secret sauce. You that should I'm just like,
0: watch like 50 in a row over the course of three weeks and just have it infect your brain and yeah. then figure out a plot. I feel like you
2: horror, can do it. You I, can
0: do this. We need more good horror movies. I,
2: we really, we really do because this is, should be a mission for you. Horror is the only thing that when I watch, I'm not like evaluating and trying to deconstruct and break down other stuff. I'm always like trying to see like, okay, so they did that. Oh, okay. So now this is going to happen. There it is. Okay. Now this happened. I still enjoy it, but um, horror, I don't. But Little America, I was saying this. So uh, I found in my experience to go to what Steve Kerr said, if you're editing something, there's writing, directing, and acting, right? Yeah. If all those three things are great, amazing. If one of those three things is bad, I think you can still save it. But if two of those three things are bad, then it becomes almost impossible to fix it.
0: So it's like basketball: shooting, rebounding,
2: defense. You, is that you, you, can, you can you have to have two of the three
0: to at least be half decent?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I. That's my theory, at least. Of those three things, you can get away with two. That's a good theory. Yeah, because um, if if this actor is not good, the director is good. The director will know how to get the performance out of the actor. Uh, if the script isn't good, the cast is good, and the director is good, then there'll be a pace to it, and the actors will sell moments that you didn't think were there. If the script and the actors are good, even if the director's bad and just pointed the camera, you'll get something. If You've never bad, directed, right? No, I want to. I'd love to do it. Oh, well, we'll talk to Ted. Yeah, uh, oh, my God, another text.
0: This was fun. Good luck with the movie. I can't wait to take my son to see it.
2: Uh is By the he, way, I
0: forgot to mention to you, 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 the wrestling fans were really mad at you at the WrestleMania
2: because I was holding up the. big You kept heads.
0: holding up the sign. The guy like two rows behind me, I, I actually thought, oh, was he really upset? Yeah, I was. It, cause I didn't because you didn't know because you, you were you didn't know like some of the rules of. Oh, is
2: that against the rules? I yeah, feel bad you're supposed now. to
0: bring the sign up and down. Oh, but I, I had your back if anything was going to happen. Well, I didn't even thank know you. it was you, but I was like, I'm
2: I got this guy I remember one guy Angrily being like What are you holding up And then I turned it around And he was like Oh okay
0: You were were so into it And so selling What your role was That it was I think people Like appreciated it I honestly wasn't It could have gone badly
2: though yeah, I didn't know that. I, I, I completely am on their side. I, I should have been more thoughtful about no, it. No, no, no.
0: Wrestling fans are fucking snobs. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. It wasn't that. your fault. You you have to obey the rules right. of whatever. And I you, understand. You didn't know, but they're not generous with that.
2: No, I, I, I'm sure you're right. Because it wasn't like you were deliberately being like, ah, fuck these people no. behind me. I honestly, you know, when we were shooting Stuber, July 12th, uh, Dave would talk about the, the career he was like I want to go back and do Wrestlemania and then when he he texted me months after the movie and he was like I, I'm gonna go get to do my retirement match and I would love it if you would be there and it meant so much so you guys to are buddies now yeah 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 I talk to him all the time
0: like, I feel I feel like this is leading to a tag team match <laughs> where he does most of the work but then- <laughs>
2: You yeah. come in at the end And just pin the guy He's gonna That's exactly what would happen That's exactly the story they, that's,
0: that's They They do that in wrestling All the time It's the two of you He gets hurt Like 10 minutes into the match You have to go in Yeah You're about to get beaten up But then he rallies And comes back And saves yeah. you And then beats everybody up And then you do the pin That's exactly right Yeah it'll be fine You won't get hurt <laughs> <laughs> um, um, This was great though Good luck with the movie Oh thank you Thank you Appreciate it Thank Thanks you. for having me Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to WGU, an online university, changing lives by changing higher education, a competency learning model that was designed specifically to fit in the lives of busy adults, about half the cost of other online universities, bachelor's and master's degrees in business IT, teaching, and nursing. Graduates have gone on to work for leading companies like Microsoft and Amazon. Get your $65 application fee waived at wgu.edu slash BS. Uh, We are going to be back next week. If you miss me, I think we're only doing two podcasts next week. If you miss me, you can listen to the rewatchables that we did on When Harry Met Sally and the rewatchables feed. So there you go. Until then, have a good weekend.